Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Ukraine dominates much of the front pages and inside pages and the children of Ukraine primarily. The Russians now are using cluster bombs and that's why Amnesty International overnight were calling for Russia to be prosecuted for war crimes. My conversation on air yesterday morning with Vika, who has her own business, a melancholic-based uh, beauty business, uh, originally from Ukraine um, and was travelling across Ukraine to the Polish border yesterday morning. Uh, her desperate her desperate attempt to flee the war is a front page uh, pick up on our conversation yesterday on air and I hope to talk to BK again uh, in a few minutes time. Um, so desperate to flee war and so many Ukrainians are and while that's happening more Ukrainians overseas and indeed here in Ireland uh, are desperate to get home uh, to help fight to save their country and the Times this morning, the Irish Times has a story of Ukrainian workers at Staunton's Food in Timelig. Fourteen of them working at the meat plant are planning to leave soon and return to fight against the Russians. Others are struggling to get their families out of the war zone. So that's an inside page story. Ukrainian workers in Cork meat plant intend to return home to join the fight against the invaders. But it's the fight for the innocents, as the mirror puts it this morning. Putin, uh, the mirror says, Putin thinks he's a tough guy. He's actually a coward who kills little girls in slippers and unicorn pyjamas. That's why the world stands with Ukraine, to fight for the innocents. And one of those innocents was a nine-year-old girl, uh, and uh, her name, sorry, uh, there's a, a nine-year-old girl makes the front of some papers, a ten-year-old girl, girl makes the front of another, and a six-year-old child was killed in an horrific day of Ukraine fighting and bombing. Sixteen children now have perished at Ukrainians' hands. Polina was one of them and makes the front page of the Red Tops. The smiling 10-year-old was shot dead with her parents by the Russians. And of course, if you drill into that story, they were trying to flee their hometown in their car. When their car, car was stopped and they were all shot. She was shot dead. Her parents were shot dead. I believe that she has a brother in hospital fighting for his life. Her name was Polina and she was 10 years old. Many, many Irish people and all of our family yesterday donated money to the Red Cross. It's never easier, actually, if you have a few bob and you want to help Ukrainians. If you have, if you have um, uh, Revolut, you can donate directly to uh, the Red Cross through your Revolut account. 16 children killed by Putin now. Suffer the little children as a front pager in the star. Uh, I know that there are peace talks, but they've been kind of stuttering along. I don't know whether they'll go anywhere. But the medics in the Ukraine, of course, were filmed yesterday trying to, in vain to save a six-year-old's life and sadly the six-year-old passed away hit by shelling but uh, you may have seen the video footage of the doctor who then turned to the cameraman and said show this uh, to Putin so the barbarity uh, of um, the Russians and the barbarity of this insane man Putin dominates much of the papers today uh, unleashing brutal missile attacks on the Ukraine's two main cities and of course cluster bombs uh, are the most horrific of all I, I, I see in many of the papers this morning they they show in the detail graphics of different types of bombs and munitions that the Russians are using. A lot of the time they're missiles with many bombs inside and these missiles fly overhead and they're timed then, massive, big, long missiles, size of a truck. Then they're uh, timed to open uh, and then from inside the missile, uh, dozens and dozens of bombs fall. So as we're aware, sport has been very much to the forefront of booting anything Russian out of any kind of a sporting activity. You heard the update there from tennis, but uh, FIFA and UEFA have booted Russia out of world football. 
And when you think it wasn't all that long ago, I suppose, when Russia actually hosted the World Cup. So financially, they've been crippled as well. Uh, and they have uh, all sorts of deals within FIFA and UEFA. I mean, one of them is a £50 million Champions League deal. That's been cancelled now and uh, that's off the table. Um, and of course, uh, when you talk of Putin, I suppose to some extent we must think of um, the Russian people themselves, who by and large are probably as horrified as the rest of us. Mial Martin says because the Ukrainians want to get into the European Union fast-tracked and they uh, filled in the application forms to join the EU yesterday. Mial Martin says, I don't know whether it can be done uh, immediately. Um, he's kind of cast in doubt on a fast-track entry uh, for uh, Ukraine. He's got to watch himself, though, because within Finnafall now, 40 TDs, senators and MEPs, and we know of Billy Kelleher, from within Michal Martin's party, wants the Russian ambassador ejected uh, from Ireland. But uh, as Coven, Simon Coveney was saying yesterday, that ain't going to happen uh, anytime soon. And just to, just to show how, how um, deeply this actually goes with regards to people's abhorrence of Putin and what Russia are doing in Ukraine. And, and I don't mean this to sound flippant or anything, but we hear of lots of cancellations with regards to anything Russian. Do you know the uh, compare the market? Uh, yeah, TV adverts with the meerkats. Well, within that ad, of course, two of those meerkats play Russian characters, Olav and Sergei. Well, Compare the Market now has pulled those ads because they feature animated, rich Russian meerkats. So that's how detailed and how deep this dives. There are other stories making the papers today. The shambles of South Dock and the amount of complaints on lease sites since 2019. There's, uh, there's insurance claims being lodged now by many of the um, retailers within Douglas Shopping Centre following the fire. And an indication of what's been claimed actually is a story in the Echo today where they say the Marks and Spencer are claiming that they lost 2 million in the Douglas fire. And, and you know, the retailers are suing more than one. Like, say, for instance, M&S are suing the Irish company that distributed the Opal Zafira. They're probably suing the insurance company that insured it. Uh, they're also suing Vac- Vauxhall, uh, who um, uh, they're alleging were responsible for the conduct and management of the recalls of the Safira, uh, because, you know, other ones had gone on fire in the past. So two million other separate cases are running alongside that for different retailers. So it's a story making the uh, echo today. Of course, smiles were clearly visible on Cork on Leaside yesterday, uh, certainly in, in shopping centres. I'll come back to this a little later on. And also, I imagine, also in schools, primary and secondary schools and whatever, because mask wearing restrictions were li- lifted. Interesting though, not everybody took their mask off. Myself and Seamus were out visiting different retailers independent of each other yesterday and we'll catch up on that. So the examiner correctly says many are still wearing masks even though uh, the mandate has ended. How many people actually study their electricity bill or their phone bill or their gas bill? Apparently less than half of Irish people actually study their bill. Some say they couldn't even follow it if they sat down and looked at it. Uh, that's a dangerous thing because huge savings can be made if you switch suppliers or just read your bill to get an idea as to when you've got the heaviest usage. I mean, you should always read a bill anyway, even if it's a, a supermarket bill. You know, you should always check a till receipt because anything could happen. You know, something might be overcharged or indeed you might be undercharged. You might want to go back and pay more. But with regards to your, I mean, everybody should be switching. You know, moving around and sometimes even with the energy supplier you're with. I was with I'm with energy and I went to move from them last month and they nearly they nearly went into a complete meltdown. Um uh, gave me all sorts of deals and discounts. So it's always best to ask or at least check around. But the first thing you need to do is start reading your bills. Brown Thomas, of course, for people who have some might say more money than sense, they're offering IV anti aging treatment drips. 
it's kind of a story that you shouldn't be putting on the same newspaper review as Ukraine. But nonetheless, Brown Thomas have defended and had to defend the fact that they're offering intravenous vitamin treatments at their new store in Dublin at €950 a pop, despite doctors raising concerns over their potential health risks. Apparently, these IV drips have all sorts of vitamins and goodness in them, and they make you younger. Anti-aging. Yeah, so that's an interesting one at 950 euro a pop. Bar sales went through the roof in January, up nearly 500% in January. I suppose they would go up when things opened up and people wanted to do a bit of celebrating. But January? I thought January was supposed to be a dry month. And the Irish accent makes many of the papers. There's research out to say that the Irish accent is the flirtiest accent. It apparently not only is the flirtiest, but it's also the friendliest accent. They're only looking at us and um, accents around the UK. So as flirty goes, Irish first, Geordie second, Essex third, Scots fourth, and Northern Irish fifth. I love the Northern accent. I, and I also love the Liverpudlian accent, the Liverpool accent. Um, but they say the Irish is the flirtiest. What county, though? Which of the counties would have the flirty? Of course, we'd clearly say Cork. Apparently, what people have a problem with, though, is trying to understand us. Because uh, we're quite high with regards to um, the hardest to grasp and understand. And I suppose if you drill into that, because of the speed of the Cork accent, we're probably the hardiest and the hardest in the country to understand because we talk too fast. But did you know that there's a new Batman film out? It's three hours long. It's been a long time since I've seen any film being reviewed that gets five stars. But the Batman movie, the three hour long Batman movie that obviously features uh, Colin Farrell as the Penguin, gets five stars. It kind of kind of has to be seen in the cinema, doesn't it? The Neil Prenderville Show. Come back to uh, stories related to pancakes a little later on because a couple of chefs in studio live and we'll be, t- we'll be showing it live on, on Facebook Live as well if you want to get tips on how to make the perfect pancake today. So more on that. Incidentally, uh, the newsroom tells me that Gardaí have responded to a two-vehicle collision eastbound on the N22 near the Balancholic exit. Two cars now will need to be towed from the scene and that's due to happen in the next half hour. So a two-car collision near the Balancholic exit. Traffic is delayed as a result. Caution advice. I don't know what caused that. I don't know whether it could have anything to do with the road surface or what have you. But there were warnings up earlier this morning. Uh, because of low temperatures. So uh, slow down and, and mind your P's and Q's for now. Anyway, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. As soon as I get a link to Vika, who's on the Ukraine-Polish border, um, I will get her back on air to let us know. I think she is actually at the border and stopped and not moving at this stage. But I did come across the story this morning um, of um, two Ukrainian-based, uh, Cork-based immigration lawyers who are based here in Cork who have joined together to try and help terrified Ukrainians flee for their lives into Europe. Um, One of the two girls actually has uh, worked for quite some time within immigration and I believe does this for a living. So I'm just going to jump in now and chat with one of them. Olga, good morning. Good morning, good morning. And I think you work alongside Angelica, I hope I'm pronouncing her right. Name right? I, Angelica, yes. I would like to uh, explain who we are. Yes, please uh, do so. Go ahead. Yeah, so that will be clarification to me. Now, we are law graduates. We graduated from the University of Cork and we have law degrees. 
Now, we are in process of passing our exams. We are not the lawyers as it is, you know, but we are law graduates. I'm an advocate. You're doing your FE1s and things. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So, we're on that stage, okay? Yeah. So, Angelica runs her own business, which is moved to Ireland. And I run my own business, which is Immigrant Advice Bureau based in Washington Street. So we, we, she is a Russian speaker, she's a Russian, she's Russian, I'm Ukrainian, but um, we are friends, you, you know what I mean? So that's what we are. And um, we decided to join our forces, like to, uh, to help people if needed, who are fleeing uh, war and need any kind of support. Okay. What is what is the state of play in Ireland with regards to refugees who want to leave Ukraine? What is the Irish government saying and offering at this point? The generosity of Irish government and Irish people is enormous and amazing. They are first what the action and the response of the Irish government was lifting of the visas. We are not in Schengen visa. We are in the EU, but, but Ireland is not in the Schengen zone. So Ukrainians and non-EU nationals, they do require visa to come to Ireland. Okay. And the first response, the Minister McEntee, she lifted the requirement of the visas. So that, that means... Is that for any Ukrainian any- or is it for a Ukrainian that already has family here? No, no, no. That's for any actually Ukrainian. Excellent. That's for any Ukrainian. It's not only that have the families. No, absolutely not. So any Ukrainian national can come to Ireland. Okay. And they can seek here subsidiary protection and they can apply for asylum if they do not have any family members, if they do not have anyone here to support. And on the border, when the, uh, the person arrives and there is no one in Ireland that he knows, but he is fleeing the war. So he is asking for asylum. And what I know from the last two days when the people been arriving in Dublin in the airport and they stepped in, showed their passport and they asked, we are refugees, we need help. Mm. They custom their immigration officers they listened to the story, they offered assistance, they called taxi, and the people were placed in the hotel. Okay, so there's, uh, the visa, they, were, they got a stamp in their visas for 90 days. They were explained that they will get an application form in about maybe a week time to complete. That's the procedure, you know, that when the person comes in, that's actually the procedure. Yes. When the person has to complete later application for asylum. But now it's an okay. emergency stamp for 90 days. And would it, be, would it be fair to say that the majority of people who are coming would be women with children because I believe men cannot leave under the age of 60, am I right? Absolutely, absolutely. So no one from 18 to 60 years of age, they are unable to leave the country. There, there are some Ukrainians that may, ha- may show up in Ireland. Those people, and I'm talking about the man, that actually are staying in a different country and appear to be staying in a different country when the war started, yeah. let's say in Spain, for example, and they decided not to go 
to Ukraine and directly after they heard that um, the visas were lifted, you know, they're just arriving. So obviously there probably will be some amount of people, but it's really very much, maybe percentage, zero percentage, you know, very, very low. And would someone who came to Ireland of Ukrainian nationality from outside of the Ukraine and just wanted to come here anyway, would they also be allowed to remain? Well, they will, they will enter and they will be able to remain until 90 days anyway. Okay. okay you know, okay. they will be able to. Same rule applies to everybody. Same and, rules apply. And same rule applies. So Olga, do you have, do you have a, to, do you have a brother in, uh, in, in Ukraine I fighting? Do. Is he fighting? I do. My brother is a doctor and uh, obviously his role is a military to assist uh, uh, wounded, uh, with the injured people, you know, so that's what his role. He's not an army soldier as it is, you know, so he's a medical professional that will assist with everything on there. Now we live, we are from, we are, uh, we're coming from the western part of Ukraine which is more or less, you know, quiet at this moment. We're close to the Polish border, about 60 kilometers, you know, from the Polish border. So um, both, as far as we know right now, that uh, the weapons are all coming closer to our border yes. at the minute, you yes. know, like closer to western part of the Ukraine, so we don't know what will happen. You must be heartbroken, though, with the stories coming out of your beautiful country of deaths, particularly the 16 children. I uh, I can't even ex- express you everything because I'm I'm getting enormous amount of text messages of the people you know who are in the basement, the uh, wives of the men who are who their husbands are working here, and we just applied for the, for the visa. For example, everything was fine, you know, and there are no passports. You just can't go because it's in the embassy. I do have just people texting me. Um, yesterday it was 12 approximately, and she was on the board with three children yeah. with Hungary, okay? And she said, what I will be facing? I said, if you need an assistance on the Hungarian side, please let me know because I do have people, you know, who can meet. But there is someone who will be meeting her in Hungary uh, at the minute, you know? So I'm trying to help. There is a Polish community in Ireland mm. and they are assisting and they provide a lot of assistance. Mm-hmm. A lot, mm-hmm. a lot of assistance. And I know Angelica is, is your partner in this and you say that she's Russian. She must also be heartbroken at what's being done allegedly in the name of Russians when that is not the case. Uh, you're right. Uh, she's not supporting. No one will support. No. This, is, this, is the, this is the wrong word, to be honest with you. We can't say support war. How is that that? that's wrong you know there is no such word support no one can support war you know what you mean that's incorrect no uh, we you see um our countries are very close because we lived through the world war Two, and we know from the stories of our families from the grandparents how it was it, we, now, obviously we were children and we didn't realize when the grandparents were to- telling us these uh, horrible stories but now facing that um, it's, it's heartbreaking the same like we all witnessed the war in Afghanistan, in Syria but it was on TV, it did not touch exactly us yes, this Our is heart. entirely different, you know, this is your country it's, yes. some, it's something, yes so, okay, it's, yes, people are suffering, yes, we do understand, or no it's, we, we didn't want to accept that it could be 
when we saw those poor children in Syria, Afghanistan, and other countries. But now, it's um, it, it, you can't even think about it. You know that this country could be suffering so much. No, I know. It's just uh, I did read that Angelica was getting a bit of grief. She said that uh, she was on her way home recently and took the bus, and the driver heard her accent. Asked her where she was from, she said she was from Russia, and he said, why are you killing Ukrainians? That's, Mm. you know, uh, another person, uh, another incident said that an eight-year-old Estonian girl who speaks Russian but lives in Cork was called an an F-U-C-K-I-N-G Russian and was told to stop killing Ukrainians. So, unfortunately, some nasty comments are being made. It will be common, unfortunately, and that's the reality. And it's important that the school now started from yesterday and the message should be sent because there is no fault of any children. And there are a lot. We must understand that I speak Russian, I speak Ukrainian, but, you know, we are Russian speakers anyway. There are loads of loads of people from the Soviet Union, from the former Soviet Union Republic, and the main common language that we do speak, communicate, it's Russian. But it doesn't mean that it is Russian. You know what I mean? Russian by nationality. Okay, so as the message should be sent, we communicate because if we don't have English, we communicate in Russian. No, I, I would just yeah, hate that exactly. Russian people who'd be living amongst us would be getting abuse, you know, and I'm just giving you a couple of examples of how it seems I to know, have happened. I know, and yes. that's unfor- I but know. You, you must feel very proud, though, of country, fellow countrymen like the Ukrainian workers in League. There's 14 of them going back to fight. Yesterday we heard of um, three young plumbers, uh, one of them from Cork, a 23-year-old Cork plumber, who's gone back to Ukraine to to fight. So very brave people. People want to fight and absolutely very proud, very proud. They are standing strong, uh, people united, and that's the most important. They're helping each other. Uh, Not only Ukrainians inside, inside of the Ukraine, their unity is amazing, yes, you know, so yes. everyone is trying to help and they, they are really strong, uh, really strong. And um, also from other people that we have this kind of support and that gives us more strength over in Ukraine, both okay. people. Okay, well, listen, continued success with your helping uh, Ukrainians to, um, you know, for, for a while anyway, get out of their home country until there's some kind of a ceasefire or, or, or peace. Good to hear that Irish people are helping as well. The Red Cross is saying that yes. already one point, one and a quarter million has been raised by Irish Red Cross only in a couple of days uh, for donations to the Ukraine. So the Irish are doing the best they can as well, you know. The Polish people themselves, they gathered, um, I know for it was about maybe four o'clock uh, in the daytime, uh, on Sunday, and there is kind of um, funding where the people they can support and just put some money. And it was uh, seven million Polish lotus, seven million Polish lotus. And in about nine o'clock in the evening on Sunday, it was already eleven and a half. I yes. don't know it as of today. Yeah. And also, Polish government gave a lot of money as well to yes. Ukraine. So Poland is. Um, is helping a lot as okay, well, you know. Okay. So I would say, absolutely. So and I have a lot, a lot of responses from Irish businesses, from Irish people, 
who are willing to help. So there are a lot of Irish people are doing here. Okay, well, I'll I'll let you get back to it and thank you for taking the call. Cheers, Olga. All the best to you you. and indeed to Angelica. Lines open, you can text 0868104106. Over 60,000 people have donated over 1.3 million euro already to the Irish Red Cross's Ukrainian appeal. And one of the most straightforward ways to do it, the way we all did it last night, was uh, using your Revolut account. There's a direct link and you can give what you can afford. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. And Red FM. A lot of texts in yesterday's program on different topics, amongst them Ukraine and Russia. So I'll come back to those in a few minutes. Now, let's just stay with the phones. Uh, Rob, good morning. Oh, good morning, Neil. Just you, a second, I'll turn on the video. Fair play. Okay, you just wanted to pitch in on this... Uh, this. Um... Yeah, I do. Um, you know, it's all the media is going one way. No, I have never heard you or anybody else talk about the eight years of shelling of the people of the eastern breakaway states for eight years, in which 14,000 people were killed, many of them children, and it's been going on daily for the past eight years. You're talking Why about the Donbass the... region, is it? Donetsk and Luhansk. Yes. Yeah. Well, people exactly, have Exactly, yes. Yeah. I mean, no, that yes. has that has been spoken about, of course, and that is disputed territory. I understand all of that. But right now, innocent people are dying. That's why people are talking about the deaths of six-year-old children and ten-year-old children, you know? Uh, you better call me back because my uh, phone is running out of credit, if you can, please. Sure. Okay. Is it running out of credit now? Do you want me to hang up and call you now? Okay, well, that was interesting. Um, his phone's run out of credit, apparently. So, uh, did we call him in the first place? No? Okay, give him a bell back there, because I'd like to hear what he has to say anyway. There's an old saying that goes something like this, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. That's interesting. Anyone with the most cursory knowledge of history knows that Germany's invasion of Poland began the Second World War. Well, there was another one or two bits before that. Uh, however, so too... Uh, they are aware that the treatment a defeated Germany endured at the hands of the Allies following the First World War set the stage for the invasion of Poland. To ignore or disregard the contributory effects of the Treaty of Versailles is to ignore disregard for historical fact. With that in mind, we must accept that history did not begin Thursday night with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Since the fall of the Soviet Union, the US and NATO have broken treaties with Russia and expanded ever eastwards. They have installed military bases in former Soviet states and engaged in proxy wars with Russia. We cannot simply dismiss this fact in favor of some childish goody versus baddie mentality. Never more so than in the nuclear age. We ignore the lessons learned from history at our perils, says Richie. Yes, uh, I don't disagree with any aspect of what you're saying in that text, but right now, people's thoughts are with the innocent people of Ukraine and the bombs that are raining down upon them. There is a convoy now that is, I believe, 70 kilometers long, um, I'm told, of Russian military and artillery heading towards Kiev. I'm told it's... And you can see... They're posting satellite videos of it. It started at like four or five uh, kilometers long and then seven and then 15 and then 25. And it's just got longer and longer. It's, it's well over 40, 45 miles long. I mean, it's an incredible amount of artillery. Is that you again, Rob? Yes, it's me. I'm okay, you ran out back. of credit. Go ahead anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're worried about people being killed. No, yeah. but people have been killed and they're still being killed in the Donbass area. Right. And as everybody with two, two uh, brain cells knows, Ukraine is one of the most corrupt countries in the world. Yeah, that doesn't make the innocent people corrupt, though. It's just those that govern yeah, but, them. Yeah, but there are innocent people in the Donbass area, too. 
Yeah, I mean nobody, nobody. I mean it's 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 right and proper that you should say that. It's all loss of life. Nobody wants people to be dying. They want this to stop. I, and I don't want people to be dying. But I'm saying there was nothing about this going on for eight years. It's only come to the the fall now, and it's like it's all Putin's fault. Putin has done his very best to get some agreement from NATO and uh, Ukraine. And they've just ignored him for the past eight years and maybe even longer. Putin has been the, looking for uh, security for his country for since the Minsk the, the the agreement. And they've just given him two fingers. But Putin's a liar. Uh, and... Uh, the NATO and um, the US arms I, I, I'm not even talking about what the US or NATO are. He said that he wasn't going to invade Ukraine. This is a, there's a, an artillery line 70 kilometers long heading for, uh, for, heading for uh, their, their capital city, Kiev. And they're not going to a garden party. They're already bombing cities and towns well, and killing people. You know how... Do you know how well uh, the media can be twisted? We don't know where that convoy is. Did you see any signpost Kiev this way? I mean, we had the case there in India when this COVID uh, business was on and COVID broke out in India and they were showing people outside hospitals, stretchers and all this stuff. It turned out that those that was film footage from the time of the... Uh, Poisonous uh, that's fa- uh, it was fake news. Before. It was fake news. It was reused video and footage and photographs. You are right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you're saying that much of what we're reporting or what is being reported from Ukraine, including live video footage, is fake news. You're saying well, that. Well, I, I have live video footage from uh, from the dump, the what's the that that breakaway there, and it's an American from Texas fighting with the Russians. Right? And he's sitting there talking and he said he will fight with the Russians because he knows what's going on. Yeah, look, I, I just I just don't want um, the real story here to be missed because of small regionalized disputes between countries over the Donbass uh, region. This is about uh, massive loss of life on both sides, including thousands and thousands of Russian soldiers, incidentally. Uh, surely be to God, nobody in their right mind could support Putin in anything. And you sound as if you do. Um, it's not that I'm talking about the one-sided uh, narrative that you seem to be following as well as every TV station in the world. Yeah, because it's uh, the, Europe is at war. That's why they're following it. People are dying. Cluster bombs are being dropped on people that explode their lungs internally. This is bad stuff. Uh, have you proof of that? I sure like what sure, what's no point talking to you if you don't believe anything that's happening is true. I'm not saying it's not true, but I say, have you proof of it? I, we had uh, we had only a few years ago NATO, which is supposed to be a defending force, took out uh, Libya, right? They killed Gaddafi, who was the great leader of his people. But well, all he ever got about Gaddafi, he was a monster, he was this and he was that. And it's NATO to, to go to Libya. Right? Now, NATO was supposed to be a defending force, not an offensive force. NATO hasn't gone in. 
NATO Ukraine. took out. L- I'm not talking about. I'm talking about NATO. I know, but uh, like we're not going to spend. We're not going to spend the whole morning now talking about world conflicts all over the planet. Surely, we're talking about. Uh, so that's uh, that's okay if you don't want to talk about it. Goodbye. <laughs> okay. Okay, try and be as fair as I can to everybody. Um, uh, by text, I completely agree with Billy Callagher's stance. All Russians should go home, to be honest. Uh, well, now, that's the kind of language that we don't want to hear. Also, can you please only air people who make sense? It sounds like some of your callers need educating, or, or at least they seem to be educating themselves on TikTok. Um, I don't believe anyone would really agree with you saying that all Russians should go home. I'd say the vast majority of Russians are mortified and embarrassed and heartbroken. I'm absolutely embarrassed by some of your callers. It seems to be a case of I'm okay, mate, as we sit idly by watching the genocide of innocent Ukrainians. Billy Kelleher has first-hand information on what's going on. He's our MEP. Expel the ambassador. He's a lying puppet of Putin, says Phil. Uh, Please say to the man who was on the air, whose wife is from Ukraine, that we're showing support for Ukraine. And what that lady said does not speak for the rest of us. She was insensitive and living in a bubble. Sorry about that. That's a that's a a text that actually is relating to one of our callers yesterday. Um, And there are many more like that, actually. Just a quick message with regards to Ukraine for the silly people on the radio who know nothing. Um, Oh, that's one from yesterday. Somebody's recommending people should watch the Ukraine fight for freedom on Netflix. It's called Winter on Fire. Please, enough of these Russian supporters. Russia aren't interested in peace. They are the aggressors. And the guy you had on is uh, worried about fishing rights. Uh, Red FM is like Fox News these days. Fair and balanced, but really having an agenda. Which is it like? Do we have an agenda or are we fair and balanced? Putin didn't threaten nuclear use in Ukraine. He threatened nuclear action because of aggressive Western statements. The West is the nuclear target. Just a quick question, because I'm getting confused here. Every Ukrainian you've had on the show has said that the Ukraine is such a great place to live and a lovely country. How come we've had thousands of Ukrainian refugees settle here for the last 15 years? In response to the people attacking the MEP, the man is voicing his opinion and should not be attacked by everyone. Everyone's entitled to his opinion. Yes, we've had a terrible history with regimes. Uh, However, we are now in a different age and people seem to forget that with regards to our relationship with the British. While we are not military capable to help, we should kick the ambassador out as a representative of Russia. I think the same for any representative of a country that believes Killing innocent people, men, women and children, is okay to push their egotistical invasions. Uh, Neil, Putin won't stop at Ukraine. Next it will be the Balkans, then Poland, Switzerland, Germany. He could even be here in 18 months. Where do we try to stop him? Uh, We're a neutral country. We're only hearing one side from the media, which has been lying to us for two years anyway. Uh, Another one, stop bringing on people that haven't a clue what they're talking about. We are in the union We are making excuses again. Ban the ambassador. Uh, We wouldn't see it on spitting image, says Jason. My stepmother is from Ukraine and her son and son-in-law are fighting for their country. Can't go on air, but the news is that the lads are very brave. Their families had to run to the Polish border, spending 72 hours in a car and didn't cross the border yet. Uh, Looking at his information as we're in close contact, they are fighting the best way they can. The big plus is the Russian army is not very good with the map in Ukraine. So they get lost a lot and they get stuck in tanks a lot. He also said, thank God that a lot of Russian tanks and missiles do fail because they're old. But he feels sorry for the civilians who are dying and also the civilians who are fighting against Russia. Very hard times, says Marek about um, her stepmother's son-in-law who's fighting on the front line. Back after the break. The Neil 
Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. And you can text 086-8104-106. Paul is standing by. First up, Ross. Ross, good morning. We spoke yesterday. Um, wasn't that right? Yep. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's right. Yeah, Your yeah. wife is in, in, in Ukraine. Um, you wanted to pick She's up from on... from Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. From Ukraine. My no. apologies. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. You wanted was, to pick I, up on Ross. I'm there. I go there every year. Though. Every year I go there for a month holidays. It is the most peaceful place you ever meet your life. It has no violence or any hassle or anything else. Nothing. There is a few, uh, the Russian soldiers, they walk around the place, yeah, but they should, that's what they do. In Donbass? No, yeah, for, for, for the last, for the last 10, 15 years now, we'll be going there every year, right? Yeah. 15 years. He says, and why the, wasn't there any international outcry over the Donbass region and the people who died there? That's what he's saying. <sighs> That's, see, it's 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 Putin. Putin is a he thinks he's going to take over whole of US again, right? From now, the next place he's going to is uh, um, Moldova. He uh, he's going to do that after after Ukraine, and he wants to get Poland all down the he wants to get all back as USSR. Now he's a warmonger. He's a total. Even if I was from Russia, Russian people are saying the same thing as I'm saying. Yeah. He 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 gets shot. He will get hit by his own people. You see, he why, why would there be why would there be a seventy kilometer long convoy of Russian soldiers and artillery heading towards Kiev? Surely, be to God, that's not. Yeah, that, that, that's, they, they that's a bit over. over the, because you're saying that, that it's that long yeah. because they're going to keep going. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They they, they need they need. The, if 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 I was somebody in charge, I get it. America, England. Germany, France, and Italy, all the army, in, and just blow the crap out of the Russian, the the the, 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 the convoy there. Blow the crap out because the convoy is going to come in and going to make pieces of innocent people in Ukraine. Mm. You know, it's it's it, they're going to enslave them all. That's it. You know? So you're saying if they can see them, if they can see them from the sky with satellites and with drones, yeah. they could take them out from the sky with satellites yeah. and drones. Why not? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. You see this? No. You, when when it was the USSR, right? But what we really want is, you, is Ukraine, peace. We don't Ukraine want anyone. Yeah, we don't want anybody Ukraine. taking anybody out. We want them to just stop killing both sides. But they won't stop. Not a hope. See, Putin is, he was KGB, right? He was the headman in KGB, yeah, right? Yeah. He's, all he has in his mind is power, 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 power. He doesn't need money. He has plenty of money. He just wants power. And power he has, that he knows that if we, if, if he gets... You know, Russia said, yeah, the, 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 the Russians issued a statement yesterday saying that Putin has no money, that he owns a flat in Moscow and he has some kind of a... A cabin, a cabin on the Black Sea, and that's it. He has no money. Load of rubbish. Why would they say Crap. something like that? I don't know. That's stupid. I mean, the man's a multimillionaire. I would have thought a so. A multimillionaire. A multimillionaire. He has, he, you know. Now, what he wants, he wants Ukraine because Ukraine was called the mother of USSR. Why was it called mother of USSR? Because it was because, such a fertile country. Uh, yeah. All the food... Every bit of food came and sprayed it. Now, at the moment, Sp- Spanish, you buy Spanish tomatoes inside your shop, right? Right? They are from Ukraine. Yeah. They, they're packaged in Spain. But, uh, you see, all the food we eat in, uh, or, uh, you know, from, we get from 
foreign countries you know, all of it it all comes from Ukraine well not all of it but certainly a lot of the stuff 90, that we, 90% of it yeah, a lot yeah, of the barley and the wheat and the grain and stuff yeah Oh yeah, that's yeah. all from Ukraine. Yeah, you know something that raises that, ra- that raises another problem for us actually as a country because we are not self sufficient as a nation anymore. We import our energy. We and you just mentioned there that all of our fruit and our vegetables come in from overseas. Yet we're an island surrounded by ferocious winds. We should be able to generate our own power, wind power. We should be growing our own vegetables, not be holding. Why, why don't we? Why don't we? I have no idea. I tell you why. I tell you exactly why. Right? Our government, right? Are, they're, 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 they're like, 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 uh, Putin's doing. They're using us to make, we sell, we sell all our beef and all our stuff that's sold abroad, right? Yeah. It, it, even to our milk we have. We buy our milk from England. Would you believe that? Not all of it, though. I Not would. all of it. No, there are options oh, yeah, for n- British milk. Yeah. yeah. N- good. 80% of us. No. Um, it's, it just make, doesn't make sense. Like, why this country could be, we could, we could, everybody could live on where we live in Ireland, right? Not just that, but we could export half of it and still have half of it to live on and perfectly. And we make, we'd be, we'd be minted if we, if we did the right Well, way. we wouldn't be relying on other people for our power. I don't know so much about exactly. gas, but certainly yeah. electricity with the winds off the Irish coast. We should have wind farms at sea. We should would be you generating our would, would you believe it? There is 97 oil wells capped around Ireland. Oh, for God's sake. 97. Insane. Hang on I a second. Like, Let me bring Paul in because we're going slightly off topic. Although yeah. I think it's a very relevant one. All the same. Paul. Good morning. Um. What's up, Judge? Um. Hello. Yeah. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Go ahead. Yeah. What's yeah. on your mind? Yeah. So what's going on over in uh, the the Ukraine at the moment? Uh, the Putin's actually doing the world a favour because what happened over in Wuhan? They, they released the bioweapon on the world. Now, what Putin is after taking out, he's after taking out seven of the 11 of the bioweapons plants that America is funding, which they funded the one in, uh, which they funded the one in Wuhan as well. So, if you think about everything that's happening... No, he, has, to, he so, has done that. That is that is true. I'm not disputing that with you, but people are dying there. He's not doing anyone a favour by killing six-year-old children. Oh, Wait, no. Have you actually seen any pictures of six-year-old children dying? I've seen, I mean, the place, I've seen bodies like, of children on the gurneys in hospitals. I saw them last night. Okay, okay. But, my, my, but well, listen, say, can, I, can I say something there, You just said there's no... Right, my, 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 my brother-in-law's are in Ukraine. They said they, they had to go to a local depot, right, uh, and to get, to get guns, right? No, yeah. at the moment, uh, my, my brother-in-law got shot in the fucking shoulder because he That's was inside the house and... Yeah, but this is, this, is, this is what they're doing. They're just walking through shooting people. No, no. No, no, but what you have to think about what the Ukrainian government as well is after doing, they're after releasing the prisoners, they're handing out, handing out AKs to absolutely anybody. So, say no, yes. say no, I have a problem we, 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 and because, I got an AK. But the reason is because, right... No, you couldn't, you couldn't get an AK-47 because you had a problem with the neighbour. This is war, like, this is aggression. Yeah. People are defending their country, Paul. No, 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 I strongly disagree. I strongly disagree. What Putin is doing is Putin is taking out these bioweapons, okay? And the Ukrainians should be standing by him because these bioweapons plants 
threat to humanity. They are a threat. He's bombing. He's bombing. He's bombing. Europe. No, no, no. He's also bombing cities, towns, and villages. He's heading to Kiev at the moment with a convoy that's over seventy kilometers long. Yeah, but you see, the people in Kiev are still going to walk and everything like that. They're not. They're that's all in we're basements. Not. No, they're not. They come they're, out. They're and not. Oh, man. Not, oh, I've seen videos. I've seen videos. I've seen videos. Look, you the media, the media is lying. I, I know people in Ukraine. And I know people Listen. in Russia. I got friends in Russia. I got friends in Ukraine. Okay? And we're, as well with our government. And as well with our government, um, what they're after doing is calling us not a neutral country, okay? They're uh, after invoking Article 39 of the Constitution, okay, which is treason against the state. They're after calling a war on innocent people that don't have guns in this country. What? Now, if, what? Uh, what if, are you talking about? What are you talking about? What, what they've done... Hello? Yeah, we are a neutral country, but we're not, but we're not neutral to massacre. No, no. We're not no, neutral to war crimes. We, you know? we, were, we were neutral. But what Simon Coveney is after coming out and declaring that we're no longer neutral, declaring war on the Irish people, and Ertel Cut 39 of the Constitution, okay, he's not able to do that. That is right, treason. Okay. Right. That, that, that is treason what he's after doing. Like, so, it's all, so, so it's all lies then, is it, in your, in your world? It's all lies. It's not true. No, 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 no. There's a war going on. They're all going to there's, work and no, no, uh, there's, there's no children. There's I can't prove that children are dying. So you say. Oh, I'd love geez. to put, you, I'd love to put that man Yeah, power. I know. I'd love what, to put him in sacred grave. Put him in sacred no, grave. No, no, what There's no point both of you shouting. Please, please. What? what? I'm trying try to listen to you, but I, I'm just getting exasperated with you. I'm just getting well, frustrated because, with you. Because you're not open to what I'm saying, Jay. Yeah? You're fully closed. You're blocked. You don't want me saying what I'm saying on the air. What I'm trying to say is Ireland, England, should support Biden, and we should all just say, look, burn out these bioweapons plants, take them out, and then once the bioweapons plants are after being taken out, everything can go back to peace. Right. Then bioweapons plants, which is funded by the Biden administration, because Hunter Biden actually works there, and Nancy it's, Pelosi, it's, actually, uh, nephew, actually works right, in the Putin, it's, it's no point trying to talk okay? to you, because you won't listen. Well, it's Putin has what, actually said. What, you, the Putin has threatened nuclear, a nuclear strike. The Biden administration All right, okay, investment. I'm over time. All right. And that's basically okay. what it is. Okay, appreciate yep. you taking the call. I have to go. I'm over time. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Ross. We'll come back after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. Okay, uh, see, I, I, I see an awful lot of text coming in. A lot of people irate and angry, but it's very difficult if you're trying to be balanced and fair to everybody who has an opinion. I mean, you have to keep some, you know, sense of control over over the conversations. But to a large extent, I'm the, I'm the conductor, and you guys are the orchestra. Like uh, some people unhappy, I'm surprised you don't feel more sense of responsibility for helping spread Putin's misinformation by having all the people on making excuses for this murdering campaign. I suppose it's all about the listener numbers. Money counts, doesn't it? Well, you know, I take that personally because it's a million miles away from the way that I operate uh, and I do not in any way, shape or form want anybody um, being an apologist for Putin. I mean, death is death and people are dying 
innocent people are dying and innocent people are picking up arms defending their own country. I can't make it any clearer than that. Keep the text coming though. Text 086-8104-106 and I'll revisit it. We had conversations yesterday. It's Rag Week. I hope that uh, residents up around the college are not having a bad time of it at night. Do share with me on that. I totally agree with uh, Tom regarding Rag Week. The community support officer is a joke. I also noticed since COVID, drinking patterns have changed a lot and not for the better, says Anthony. Morning. I'm driving along College Road to work a few times a week. At around 6.30 a.m., bins are regularly tipped out onto the road and alcohol bottles thrown everywhere. It's just a disgrace. I think it's cleaned up by the council workers early. The students should be made to get out of their cosy beds and do this themselves. What makes them think it's okay to have someone clean up after them? Like they're just nothing more than pampered. Uh, Dan, the taxi driver, I would like to highlight the treats, the threats and abuse I received last night because I refused to take students in my taxi with open cans and open bottles of alcohol on College Road. They're an absolute disgrace. I will not be working this rag week with these animals around. Who the hell do they think they are? And that's just a selection of texts on rag week. On masks from yesterday, I was asking who's wearing and who isn't. I work at Cork Airport. I must still wear a mask. The company is legally covered because they say they have a duty of care to protect any at-risk members of staff. They just need to carry out risk assessments. I'm working for a courier company. The relaxed attitude to the non-wearing of masks, this is from yesterday, is very obvious. And and I agree with that. I, I did see change. In relation to masks, it is entirely up to the individual now. However, I'm over the moon that it's all back to normal, says Shiona. Uh, it's our choice, Neil, if we want to wear masks. And it shows responsibility from business owners to have staff wear masks again. Anti-COVID can jump all over this anti-this and anti-that. At the end of the day, it's people choice. If you're not happy uh, in work to wear a mask, change your job. One or two more. Haven't we so little to complain about? The enormous struggle to wear a simple mask to protect our fellow citizens. There are so many ignorant, self-seeking people out there who only think about themselves. Surely the science speaks for itself. Back in the 80s, there was no social media or fake news platforms. Hi, Neil. I was in Dunn's Bishopstown. I'd say about 40% of people were wearing masks. 60% were not. The staff were about 50-50, but uh, most were not wearing them behind their screens. Uh, Morning, I know of a school of asked pupils, all pupils, to continue to wear masks. Yes, there are a number of schools that are continuing with the policy of mask wearing. I work in a pharmacy. We will still be wearing our masks. I look forward to spending my 1,000 euro. It's amazing we are healthcare today, and a few weeks ago, we're retail. Uh, love the show, working in a well-known medical device company and still forced to wear masks, as well as partitions being left up in the canteen. It makes no sense. Uh, yesterday, uh, I went for a bit of a, a look around. I was actually doing a bit of shopping. I was in Tesco and I was in Douglas Court. First place I visited just to have a look uh, was Woody's, where 95%, I would say, of the people that were shopping in Woody's yesterday afternoon were wearing masks. Um, now, the staff were not, uh, you know, certainly at the tills because they have, they're surrounded by perspex completely. There's only a small little hatch where the money goes in and out. But 95% of the people I'm estimating who are actually shopping in Woody's were wearing masks. Mind you, in Duns and Douglas Court, I'd say it was about 60-40. I'd say it was about 60-40. Uh, and I think that maybe 60 when I say 60, as in 60% of people not wearing masks, uh, not only just in Duns or in the different shops themselves, but walking around the shopping centre, an awful lot of people were not wearing masks. Now, um, you know, 60, 40, 
is is about what I would say maybe even 70-30. But yesterday I saw big changes for supermarkets and shops and public transport restrictions and mask wearing was finally lifted. Uh, masks will only ma- be mandated and you'll have to wear them, definitely have to wear them in healthcare sittings. Uh, and also the recommendation is um, to continue wearing your mask on public transport. But with all that in mind, Seamus took himself to Wilton Shopping Centre yesterday. See how the public were embracing the change. Today is uh, the day to remove the mask, but I see you've an attachment with yours. Are you? We have, yeah. We have. They're glued yes. to us. They're glued to us. No, we're going to, I'm actually going to keep mine on until I really think it's very, very safe. When we're going to the supermarket, church, and where yeah. else? And please, God, Bingo will be back, so we'll. Well, I have a complication, so it's going to be safe and sorry. I spent a lot of time with it in my pocket anyway, but it didn't stop because I still got it. And it was laid up for about three weeks, but I'm over and over a fortnight. And you're you're glad so to be uh, to be demasked, are you? Oh, smashing without it! it uh, you didn't know who you were talking to <laughs> when they were on. Well, that might be a good thing too. You could avoid people. <laughs> yeah, but you could put your foot there too. I relieved in one way, but you know, I'm not sure. But I'm not sure. It's the social distancing. I'd be, you know, I'd be worried about, like, you know. So. Well, I'm involved in healthcare. So for the sake of my clients and so forth, I prefer to wear it just for the time being. We actually went shopping to town and, you know, it was very nice to walk around without masks. You can breathe a sigh of relief. Yes, indeed. We've been wearing them for months now, like, I just feel like it's kind of used to them. Yeah, get rid of them. I don't know. It's kind of hard, like, I know we have to, like, live with COVID and stuff, so. (laughs) (laughs) I guess, yeah, everyone's kind of just trying to get back to normal, but... I see like a lot of people are still wearing the mask like it's kind of half and half so so really keep it for a few weeks yeah definitely Maybe. anyway just to kind of see the stories see the cases if they go off they go off but you know see if the masks actually do anything <laughs> you got rid of yours no i have not and you still going to wear it i am yeah what's that well even before covid there's viruses ordinary viruses and i feel that um it still protects it from ordinary, I was getting a lot of viruses pre-COVID, and especially up on a plane. I'd go fly off to England, and i come back and I'd have a virus. So I think, for that reason, but like if there's a glass in front of me, say if I'm at the cash desk, I'll take the mask down. And especially on public transport, I'm still going to wear it. Because it, it definitely brought down the flu. It definitely brought down a lot of the colds. So like, it definitely done some protection. And that's why I'm going to wear it, even though I hate it. We, do, we took them off coming out the door, but we still wear them. We wear them outside. Yeah. It's still a bit sceptical. See, we're working in the hospital as well, so I suppose protection for both them and for ourselves. It's only a matter of time, I suppose, that we'll all we'll get rid of them like for out, outdoor use. I'm taking it off. Is it a bit of a relief to be able to take them off? It is, yeah. I don't like them. I can't hear people properly when I've got the face mask on. For some reason unbeknownst to me and you. And you're going into the shopping centre there. Will you be wearing one going around the shopping centre? Do I have a choice? You do? Well, I won't. I think COVID will go on for years. And I think there'll be more lockdowns. And I think um, people are in denial about COVID. And I'm one of those people. I'm fed up with the whole thing, basically. So it'd be nice to go around without a mask on. 
and getting loads of wet stuff on my nose, on my mask, and then everywhere else. But now people will start recognising you that the mask is off. Oh, you'll have to talk true. to them. Yeah, that's true. That is a drawback. Yeah. It was a great opportunity to be antisocial. Yes, that's true. Yes, it was. Yes. Maybe I will wear it. Thanks. <laughs> what you asked me is that, am I still going to wear them? Yes, in crowds like that in the church, maybe, shopping. And not, not, not when I'm out. I suppose it's nice to not have a something restricting your breathing, I guess. Yeah. Was it a, a relief so this morning waking up that you didn't have to wear them? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I still wore it anyways because it felt kind of weird not to wear it. <laughs> you had a bit of an attachment yeah. to it. <laughs> I'm wearing lectures and most people are still wearing them. Are they? Yeah, yeah they are. And, and are they enforced in school? No. no. I think I'll just take a while to like get used to it. Do you think habit. people are just being cautious to see whether the numbers will go up or down? I think it's just habit, yeah. to be honest, though. Like, you're just so used to putting it on. I didn't even think when I was walking to lecture hall, I just put it straight on. <laughs> that was yesterday afternoon. Fair play, Seamus. Uh, if I'm to be absolutely honest about it, um, yesterday I wore my mask. I wore it going into Woody's. Uh, I wore it going into the shopping centres. And I was thinking to myself, why Why are you doing this? And, and I thought, well, on the one hand, I think it will take some time for people to, you know, get used to seeing others without masks and then deciding for themselves. I don't think because yesterday came, everybody suddenly just whipped off the mask and said, okay, that's that. I think it will be a gradual thing. It'll almost be like a learned behavior. It might take some days. It might even take some weeks for more people to be weaned off them, the likes of me. And I suppose I wasn't interested in making any kind of a statement myself yesterday in the sense, look, I'm taking the mask off and off of this. I wasn't really interested in that. What I was more interested in was the people who are still wearing masks and, you know, particularly people who might be vulnerable or people who might be elderly. I, I didn't want to be part of you know, the worry or the upset or the panic. So I left it on now. There are those of you who would be dead against masks, be roaring at me saying that I'm a coward. But it was just the way I felt. Yes, I wasn't interested in making any kind of a statement. I just was interested in making other people feel comfortable around me for now. Now, I could well change, you know, and uh, maybe, maybe I'm one of the sheeple. I don't know. But that's just the way I felt yesterday. Perhaps... You can tell me why I felt that way or if anybody else feels that way as well. Back after the break, text 0868104106. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. It's a very interesting text there taking me to task on trying to give people an opportunity to have their point of view and, you know, trying to keep things balanced. Uh, the texter is pretty much saying that you can't have balance in all conversations and you should take it more personally. If you call yourself a broadcaster and one person calls up and tells you that it's raining, another calls up and tells you that it's sunny outside, it's your job to look out the window and tell the world what is happening outside. But you give a liar and a truth teller equal weight and that is not balance. It is spreading lies. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it, well, it doesn't go unchallenged regardless of who might come on. At least there is challenge uh, for all people and the points that are made particularly. And a lot of people are saying that some of the one or two of the callers this morning were to say the least, bizarre. Um, and some are saying that, uh, you know, um, can't broadcast them all, but that one or two of them have been better off if they stayed in bed this morning. Anyway, text 0868104106 on that one. Uh, lots of other texts and different topics of conversation, but can I just stay with masks yesterday and what happened from yesterday when, you know, you were not obliged anymore to wear a mask? Tasha's standing by. First off, Karen, good morning. Morning. Are we talking? Well, thank you. Thank you for your text. Was this an experience you had yesterday morning, was it? 
Yeah, well, I'm lucky I actually had a negative experience and a positive experience in right. regards to not wearing a mask. Um, but yeah, you know what, I woke up and it wasn't in my head to, you know, unintentionally, you know, do it on purpose or to make a statement. I just thought to myself, oh, well, I know today is the day that we don't have to wear a mask. So I pulled up to the petrol uh pumps, you know, to get diesel, obviously. Now, I only went into the shop because the diesel was cheaper in that shop. Um, otherwise, I would have gone to the other one. But um, I went in anyway, and obviously, I didn't put the mask on. And um, the owners were in there, the man and woman who owned the shop. And I could see there was about maybe three or four customers, and they were all wearing a mask. Um, and I did notice the girl behind the deli wasn't wearing a mask but as I turned the corner then of the shop I heard um, the husband the owner of the shop you know say to the wife um, well he didn't exactly say it discreetly either you know about me not wearing my mask what did he say she's not wearing a mask is it well pretty much yeah and um, you know I didn't to be honest with you I just kind of ignored it but then when I went up to the till and he served me Yes, he didn't open his mouth to me either, but he just kind of made me uncomfortable um, because I hadn't worn it, you know. And now, whatever reason, the girl behind the deli counter wasn't wearing her mask or anything like that. Was she behind Perspex, I wonder, though? I... I'm not, I can't say 100% there could have been But you definitely heard him remark. And did it make you feel uncomfortable? Yeah, it did actually, and you know what? So uncomfortable that I certainly won't be, no matter how cheap it is, I won't be returning to the That's shop. the problem, you see. He did himself out of a return sale. He won't yeah, go back there, you know? Exactly, I won't, because, um, you know, we go on about in society, you know, about being kind to other people and stuff, and, you know, people aren't kind. Yeah, no, know? it's still very mixed. I mean, I was I got petrol yesterday, and, you know, it was you know, went and others were going in and out, some with masks, some not with masks. And I think it'll be a very gradual thing. I don't think it'll happen overnight. I think it'll take a number of days, maybe weeks. Could I just pick up on one other point you made there? You actually check the price of petrol and diesel before you buy, do you? Well, I used to be honest with you. Uh, my mother used to go on all the time to me about the price of it. But I never used to until, obviously, the price of it now. Um, and kind of do have to shop around, don't you? Because an awful lot of people around. don't check the price of anything, you know, and no. just would never look. And there's huge savings, well, not so much now, but back in the day, on a fill of petrol, you could make a handy saving. Oh, totally, I agree, yeah. You know, I mean, I suppose uh, petrol pumps, you know, when it was a lot cheaper, could get away with kind of maybe charging that, you know, cent or two extra, you know, for it. Yeah, but like, if you shop is, around. I mean, did you see the research that's out this morning? Owen English has a story in The Examiner says, despite soaring energy costs, almost half of all gas and electric, uh, electricity customers do not read their bills and do not switch suppliers. They just stay with the same... T- pl- and that would be any kind of a bill. They probably don't even look at... Do you check till receipts? I do. Oh, I check everything, you know, even in the last um, number of years. Like, I try and, you know, reduce the cost of everything, you know, at home, like my internet, yeah. um, my broadband. So would you shop you know, around for internet, broadband, electricity, gas? Oh, I do, yeah. Now, I'm very lucky here in my house that I have air to water. Um, and I do find it very economical in terms oh, of... Oh, hey, so envious of you. You have a heat pump, have you? I do, yeah. And now I have, 
you know, hot water all day long. Now, of course, it is that bit extra in electricity, but if you do compare it in the long term to fuel, um, it, it does work out. Cheaper, and what's your house you know? rating? What burr have you got on it? I'm not quite sure. I know that um, to have one installed, the house needs to be at a burr of, I think it's a B1, so it has to be definitely a B1 house. And did you get any grant for that, or did you have to shell it all out yourself? Now, I, I am blessed, you know, it is a council house, um, so the wow. council, they actually do have to put them into houses. Oh um, my God! And it's an old. It's, it's not a new. I know that the new council houses being built, the fit outs are incredible. But is yours an old one that was upgraded? Mine actually was um, a private developer who actually built the houses, and he went bankrupt. So the council actually bought them. So they're about. I think they're about over ten years old. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. And nobody has ever lived in my house, you know. So I am very blessed you know um, to have it installed so it's just kind of a steady 35 degrees is it that kind of thing um, well you it's actually you have it on, I didn't really know how to work it would you believe it for the last number of years um, only I had someone else come out there um, late last year to tell me how it works and you it's one you keep it on all the time yeah. and you, basically it's controlled by the thermostat it is and you can turn it up and down um sure bills must be tiny are they well like i'd say roughly now um for the the winter months for two months i'd say could be about now i i need a lot of heat so i've mine set kind of like to 25 degrees downstairs and it will be lower upstairs. So I'd say it could be about 150 euros maybe for the month. And then obviously as, you know, you're coming into the summer months, you know, you really reduce it. But that's going by me. I have a, I'm immunocompromised, so I feel the cold quite easily. Right, so, so even the 150 fuel is a lot higher than many other people would be. Probably would be, yeah. But like going into the summer now, like these houses are extremely warm. So I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't. Oh my God, that's incredible. Because for a lot of us, like if we were to do something like that, it would be, it could be upwards of 40 or 50 grand. Yeah, well, there actually is, um, people really need to start kind of making themselves aware that our grants uh, for this, and um, I think, is it like houses that have been built, is it um, from like, is it 2006 or 2011, um, like you can actually avail of a grant to help you, and then people who are on certain um, payments, I should even be saying this, but people who are on certain payments. Get higher grants to do, yeah. Um, yeah. Get it actually done for, they get all of the grants they would, um, and that's between like the cavity. That would be somebody on a welfare payment or on a, exactly. a disability payment and things like that, yeah. Yeah, okay. you know, all so right. people really need to start looking into it because I sat down and I just discussed it with my mum about her fuel and she has oil and then she's got like her stove, solid fuel and you know, we just compare the pricing and, like, you know, it's nothing what I have. The cost would be nothing compared You're to You're very lucky. Has. You're very you lucky. Know, more so yeah. now than ever. That's true. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And people really need to start doing a bit more research and, you know, seeing what's available for them, you know. Um, like, I mean, you've got the solar panels. She has solar panels as well, you know. And, you know, the cost she still has is you know, ridiculous. So people just need to inform themselves, you know, of... You're a heap, you know, yeah, solar panels are grand, but only in the summer for a bit of hot water, yeah. you know. Like, if you were in a yeah. country like Spain now, you'd be laughing with heat, with 
with solar panels, but not so much here. You get a f- I have two solar panels, and they're grand for a couple of months in the summer, but that's about all. You know, I don't know if yeah. you'd ever make your money back on them, to be honest with you. No, definitely not. But I know she did get them through a grant that oh, okay. time. Okay. So okay. she was kind of, you know, looking there. Now she did pay some costs. Um, towards it, but that grand. Alright, well listen, lovely chatting with you Karen, stay warm, alright? Take care of yourself. Really right, Thank bye you bye, so much bye, bye. Good luck. Tasha, good morning. Hi, Sorry, morning. I just good went morning. off onto a few different topics there, my apologies. Back back You're again to, to masks, is it? Go ahead. Yeah, um, just to just to let you know, actually I was on the air a couple of weeks ago, remember I was talking about obviously my son with the autism. Yes, I do recall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so that's me, but um, I'm back again, so um, to, to start right, I went. I always go to play zones. Well, actually, to the one play zone, I should say, but that play, play zone's actually closing down next week for good. Right. Um. So we're gutted because it's the only one that he'll go to for me. So I went to go to this this new one in Cork um, a couple of weeks ago just to get him to get the feel of it, so that I could start bringing him there then. Um, so I drove from the other side of the city to get there with him, so I had to obviously prepare him to go there. So that was fine. We got outside the play zone, and I brought my niece with me as well. So we got outside, and we went into the play zone, and I realised I forgot my mask. Oh, sure, I know. We've all been there. Everyone has been there. Like So I got to the the gate to pay or whatever, and the manager was at the, the chill, and she was like, oh, come in, whatever. So we walked up, and she was like, where's your mask? And I was like, I don't have a mask. I was like, I actually forgot it. I was like, have you got a box of masks there? Because the other place only go to have a box of masks for people that, like me, forgot their mask. That, you know, will put it on. So I was like, I don't have my mask. Sorry, forgot it. I was like, have you got a mask? And she was like, no. She's like, well, you'll have to go and get one yourself in the garage. But, like, it's just the way that she approached me. She didn't even say hi, you know whatever, it's just straight away, bang, like, where's your mask? I know. And what annoyed me, Neil, was there was people behind me in the play zone with no masks on them. Inside? Inside the play zone, yeah. When, when was so this? What? Yesterday, For, was it? No, this this okay. was a couple of weeks ago. All right, ago. that's when there were still masks. So that makes masks, no sense whatsoever. Yeah. It doesn't, because what? To walk through a gate, you have to put a mask on and then you can take it off. And is that the like, way it is? You have to have the mask to go in, but take it off when you're in there? Yeah, well, in the other place, when I went to anyway, you can wear you wear your mask going in, and when you sit down or whatever, you can take it off. So, what did you end up doing? So I had to. So I actually said to her, I said, "Are you going to refuse me entry? So because I've no mask, and you can't provide me with a mask." I said, "You're running." A play zone, an establishment. I said, and you're no. She's not obliged to give you a mask, though. I said you should have a box of masks. Because she should Sony, like she's running a play zone, like. Um, I suppose they're cheap enough to have a bag box to give you one for free, is it? I would have bought a mask. Oh, yeah. I would have bought a mask, no problem. Yeah. There wouldn't have been a problem. She could have done that. She could have. There's given plenty her a of place to have it. Got the mask, and it was, so what did you do? So I had to leave. I she wouldn't obviously let us in, and I had to leave. But actually, had an absolute meltdown outside the play zone because. He obviously thought he was going into the play zone and then I had to explain to him, look, we used to go. So I was I was crying myself, to be honest, and he was freaking out. He was 
like hitting his head off the, the floor and everything outside the play zone. My niece was very upset as well. Did you go and buy um, a mask or what did you do? I couldn't need to be honest because she told me go to the garage and get one but like without she's without she being on the autism spectrum like that I was saying to you before I can't just go into all these these random places so I couldn't have went into the shop with him to get the mask because I would have had to See, put him I into know, the car. I just wonder if that misfortune who was working behind the counter was only an employee and doesn't actually make the rules and it was the owners didn't provide a box for sale or give but out But she freedom. was the owner well, that's, I asked okay. her well, that's I asked her before like, Maybe she said, just didn't have any but that's not but that's not good enough like why didn't she have a box of masks she's running a play zone I just don't see the issue why like if she was that strict about people wearing face coverings why didn't she put a box of masks on the on the desk and say look even if you want to buy one for a euro or whatever yeah well like, you know people that, genuinely that forget their masks that would have resulted they do yeah and, and because and, of Alfie's meltdown there was no calming him down there was no going to the petrol station, getting a mask and going back again, no? That's unfortunate. No, and like, my sister actually rang afterwards because I was so upset and Alfie was so upset and so was my niece. Like, she knew how frustrated I was because I was saying, not even about Alfie's needs, Neil, but what if your child was deaf or your child had another special need that you can't wear a mask because they won't understand you? Like, she didn't know my circumstances she didn't give me an opportunity to explain mm. it either okay. you know what I mean like okay. Okay. it's nice to be nice and she didn't have to be that way ok alright thanks for that look after yourself in regards to Alfie text 0868104106 talking about communication here's a, a line of communication that went completely wrong there was this guy right this was on reddit apparently Mark gave it to me this morning um, believed to be from the US but apparently living in Japan uh, and he went up on Reddit wondering if he could get some advice from the public. Here's here's what he did apparently. He um, himself and his wife were going to the US for a month for a holiday and they originally booked to sit together apparently but he realised that he had so many air miles that he could upgrade his ticket to business class. His ticket now, not his ticket and the wife's ticket, just his ticket. So he did just that. He used his air miles and he upgraded his flight from Japan to the USA to business class. And then apparently seemed really surprised that his wife was upset by his decision. So he took to the online forum asking people if he was being, as he said himself, an a-hole. He said, I said to her, Asha, you're just jealous. And she got upset and told me to ask the airline to see if I can switch my seat back to economy. I said to her, hell no, because I'm not going to miss my opportunity to sit in business class. Um, a 12-hour flight, I don't know whether they're still married or whether they had a happy time in America or they're having a happy time. There's probably picture no sound. But he got absolutely tar- torn apart online with people saying yes, <laughs> yes. You are an a-hole. <laughs> Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number, 0818-104-106. Yes, indeed. Our lines are open. You can text 0868-104-106. If you're hearing a little uh, background noise, that is Chef Niall Mooney from the Maldron Hotel in the South Mall just setting up his uh, little mini kitchen here in the studio. We've got to do this now because he's got to get back for the lunch service at the Maldron Hotel. But it's Pancake Tuesday today. And I was asking the question yesterday, and indeed Seamus took to the streets of Cork, what do you like on yours? Maple syrup and uh, blueberries and strawberries. Delicious. I love my mum's pancakes. Jam, strawberries, 
cream and chocolate. And is there a special recipe for pancakes? Polish one. Oh jeez, and then the pancakes are all up. He ate them. Oh, maple syrup and crispy bacon. That's what I'm having tomorrow. <laughs> and do you make pancakes then yourself? Mammy's famous recipe. The original recipe, yeah. Do you want to share it with us? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have to kill you. I suppose my favourite topping would be um, chocolate spread. And would you make pancakes yourself? No, I'd buy onion Johns. Easy option. Easy way out. But I'd, I'd, I'd actually have a go of it all right, I would. Make them, yeah. I like being in the kitchen. Give yourself a break. <laughs> Is that true? That's true. <laughs> no, there you go, I know. I just gave up the custom because society today is too caught up in all these things. Valentine's Day and, and, and Pancake Day and Patrick's Day and all. Uh, sugar and job, that's what I love. That's the only thing I like on my pancakes. So, modern law will make them for me. I'll have them eat when I get home after work. Because no one else will make them for me, so, you know, she'll do them for me, you know. She's better than the partner, so she makes nice ones, all right. Like. I don't eat them, but the sun would be Nutella. And maybe strawberries. I wouldn't touch them. I don't like them at all. The sun, he's great at making them. I make pancakes batter at home, like, and then just have it, so. Uh, just eggs, flour, a bit of milk, whisk it all up. We have a little pancake maker at home, so it's handy. Years now since I made pancakes. But when they're made for you, what do you like to put on top of them? Lemon and a bit of sugar. And what is it about the lemon and sugar? It's the taste of the pancake. My cousin does it for us and a lovely she fried them in the pan, the pan and she uh, a collection of stuff she puts into it and they're lovely. So we don't we won't complain we ate it. <laughs> um, she puts cheese into it as well. Probably nice. And dissolved we saw friends in the microwave didn't soft from the dough. I can't have anything on mine, I'm a diabetic so I don't have any toppings on mine. Well toppings. Actually, uh, that if you're out, do me lemon, do you know yourself, all this kind of stuff. And we just don't want to make it like. But uh, I'd have plenty of them, yeah. Eat the body, yeah. Okay, there's a research out there recently with regards to what people like on their pancakes today being Pancakes Tuesday and it's uh, great news that lemon and sugar is still our favourite pancake topping. I know I did this uh, a couple of days ago, but um, the top ten, lemon and sugar first, chocolate spread second, maple syrup, strawberries, bananas, ice cream, whipped cream, caramel, jam and mixed berries. I'm very upset that jam came in ninth in the top ten because for me, the most beautiful pancake of all does involve lemon, it does involve a little sprinkle of sugar, but definitely it involves jam and I'd eat them all day for you. I don't know whether you knew it or not, but apparently, I was reading this morning in uh, Brenda Power column in the in the mail that we will consume we will use in this country 20 million eggs in our pancakes tonight 20 million and we will generate as so much power making pancakes tonight that you could drive 500 cars on a trip around the world on the co2 carbon emissions alone with regards to the amount of pancakes that will be made tonight. I'm joined in studio by head chef Niall Mooney from the Maldon. Thanks for coming in with all your half your bits and pieces from the kitchen down below. Thank you, Neil. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, looking forward to making a few pancakes for you here now. And you've got all the... And thank you all, because it's all very well to bring me in batter. That's fine. But I want to know the formula behind the perfect pancake mix, because there's got to be a formula. Well, there is. You see, there's, there's actually two types we can make. We can make a crepe, which is a light batter, or we can go with the with the American style batter, which is like your your fluffy pancake. So today we're going to do the American style, which is the fluffy 
pancake. Is that uh, and that's kind of the traditional Irish one? Well, it's traditional, like reasonably it's, thick. It's 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 the buttermilk. It's the buttermilk traditional uh, Irish as well. Which we brought it over to to the states. So oh, this is what this is what we're going to do today. We use we use regular milk in Ireland, don't we? Well, Correct me if I'm the, wrong. Well, the buttermilk has been the one now in the last the last few years. Everybody wants to kind of wants to kind of use the buttermilk. It's the flavour, you know. It's the flavour. It gives it an extra. Extra body. Okay, okay. I'm going to use buttermilk tonight, but I'll be haunting you if it's not nice. <laughs> no, it is. It's fabulous. So what is it, so the formula? Like, so say, we Fred, have, Fred, so if you were making, say, 10 pancakes. So I have here, i got 300 grams of plain flour. I have half a teaspoon of baking powder. Baking powder? I baking never powder. put that. Why do I need that? That's going to make your pancake rice and it'll give a nice fluffiness to your pancake. Wow. So that's the difference between your crepe and your your American style pancake is it's going to rise so we're going to add another 100 grams of caster sugar yeah I get you with the caster sugar yeah yeah. I'm going to add one large egg just the one not two it's a large egg for the, for the, for, for the, amount, for the amount for the amount of flour that I have here and then the trick the trick then to adding your milk your buttermilk is go half just don't go too crazy with the milk to start Pour your milk in. Get yeah. In. Stop. You stop there after maybe stop. a half a cup. Half a cup. Yeah. And that way then it'll it'll blend for you quite nicely. It'll come together quite nicely for you. Yeah. And it won't get lumpy. And then you continue to pour in your milk. Slowly but surely. Cup. Yeah. It's like mixing cement, really. You don't. Well, it is. Yeah, it you is. Never see the mixing the cement. Like yeah. the whole the whole thing is the whole idea behind it is that it won't go lumpy on you. So we have that mixing mixing up there now nicely. Would you use a big electric beater in down the in the kitchen? We like a, a large whisk. Yeah, a large whisk is what was what we do for this use for this. Like for at home, you can use like you know you can again you can use a spoon or a fork if you don't have a whisk. It's all about pouring in the milk. You got the at hand the right blender, time. don't you as well? <laughs> we have them blender. as well. We have them as well. Yeah, we got one of those at home. Just but, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's but, still quite thick now. You're so going to need quite, to quite thick. I'm just going to add a little bit more buttermilk to it, and it wants to be a little bit thicker than your than your crepe mix because it's going to when it goes onto your pan. It wants to hold a nice shape and size. How do you know when the consistency is dead on? It just wants to fall off your whisk. That's a bit... Does that not look a bit gloopy, though, no? It's, well, it's... Says it's, he insulting the head chef <laughs> in the Maldon Hotel. Well, this is, how, this is, this is where, where we're at now. This is... Oh, yeah, that's So perfect. I also Isn't add just a little drop of vanilla essence. Just a drop. Just to get it nice and... I again. need to update my notes because you've put you've named two things now that I didn't have down here: vanilla essence, just a tiny little drop, a little drop, uh, and the buttermilk. I think is the is the two that gives it the nice and flavor. And the baking soda, uh, baking powder. Yeah, is there a difference? Yeah, there is. There is yeah, two different, two different uh, one's a soda, one's a powder. So what would, have, what would have happened if I put baking soda into it tonight? Well, you could end up with like a, a soda pancake. <laughs> so that's, that's, would, that's would it be salty? It will be a little salty. It will be a little salty, yeah. It's the baking powder is what makes it rise, you know? You didn't use any butter in the pancake. Some people put so, molten butter in So what it. we'll do is, so I have my pan on here now, a little bit of oil, and I'm going to, I'm going to ladle in three little pancakes. It's my oil. Yeah. It's nice and hot. So get your pancakes on. Three, three ladles That is on, pancakes. I think. Is that heating there? Just check it. Am I just hearing something? Yeah, go for it. Pour so, it in. There. So yeah, so we're going to pour away our three packets into our into our pan, and they're getting the. They're, they're, now before we get to that point, well, that's heating and doing its own thing and cooking. How long should you leave the batter rest? Because I'm sorry, rested overnight. So we can leave it in the fridge for like half an hour. But half is an the hour longer is the better? Well, <laughs> probably an hour is probably probably ideal. 
Because if you leave it overnight, it's going to you know. Why does it need to, to? Why does it need to sit? Because because it'll help it thicken up and it'll also help the the, the flour to dissolve into the flour a little bit better. Um, so like when you go to when you go to make your pancakes, like you know there won't be any lumps in it. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's it's, it's always a good idea to let it settle in, okay. in the fridge. And do you disregard the first one? That's always the trial one, is it? Um, not, not really, not really. I think it's it's a bit more it's more practice than anything else. Like you know you can get you can like with a crepe it can it can help to maybe glaze the pan, but if you're Usually not really. Oh, so, and so your butter goes on the pan then. Not so what? So what I'm going to do? So I have a drop of oil here now. I'm going ladling on my my uh, pancake batter. I'm going to seal them. They're going to seal. So they start sealing, and you'll see them starting to bubble in the middle. Oil you use, not butter. Oil, oil to start. Okay. Of oil, just, uh, just okay oil for the pan. pan, right? And well, well, our, our pancakes. You'll see. You'll see your pancakes are going to start to bubble in the middle, and once they're bubbling in the middle. We can just check the bottom of them and see how, how they're looking. Are they browning up nicely, which they are. So I'm going to turn now. So we turn our pancakes. Yeah. And we have them turning. And they're cooking there nicely. And then, then I'm going to add in a little knob of butter. So a little knob of butter here now. And I'm going to glaze the pancakes. And take a little bit of my butter as well. And glaze over the pancakes as well. So they're nicely so buttered. So you just glaze the pancake with butter, half cooked on both sides. At, at, the, at, the, at the end, yes. That's, so that's a that's, great tip. So that's, yeah, keep them, love, get your pancakes lovely, lovely and buttery and, they're, and uh, nicely glazed as well. So we have so we have our pancakes ready there now. You flip? They're flipped. They're ready to go. No, can, you seal, can you ceiling flip? Uh, not when you have three in, the, three in the pan at one time. It could be a little bit messy. <laughs> you so, know the reason, you know the story behind Pancake Tuesday, don't you? The start of Lent and everything. I think it was used up whatever you had in your cupboard. You're dead right, because when P- and medieval Christians started doing this, because they had one last day to feast before that we had to go shriving, which was shroving, as in penance, and, you know, we had to, it was very historical to be, um, you know, uh, going through Lent with, um, you know, lots of masses and lots of, of penance. So everybody had one last go at it, apparently. So we had to use up all of our eggs, all of our butter, all of our milk and all of our flour because they were all forbidden for the period of Lent apparently yeah and that's yeah. it so yeah. it was literally yeah. just reading and it's still to this day it's still yeah before we went into the Lenten period so they made pancakes and apparently pastries as well by all accounts I know and it's great you know something it's a great time it's a great time for families as well I remember growing up and, and my, my family make, like my mother and father making pancakes for us all and we all, like it was a great bonding time for the family as well so I think I think it's kind of something going into Easter going into Lent that is something that well, what about toppings? I mean, what would you be serving as a chef? So while I have, so while I have toppings here today, I got I got some um, rhubarb, which I have I taken then from my uh, our roof garden. We have a roof garden on top of the hotel. Wow. We have some uh, we have our herbs and some and some fruits. So we have green totally green up there. Sufficient then. So I got a little bit of my rhubarb. I made a rhubarb compote um, with sugar and uh, a squeeze of lemon. So I'm going to use a rhubarb compote on these today. A spoon of rhubarb compote. And I'm also going to use a spoon of cream as well. We can, you can use, you can also, like, one, one thing my, uh, Jody, my girlfriend loves, is a lemon curd cream, which is like I make a lemon curd and, I, and I, I fold it in with my cream. Great to have you at home. And, and uh, yeah, and we have, a, we have the rhubarb and the lemon curd cream together with pancakes. You know that, every, really you know everyone will go for a jar of feckin' Nutella, you know that. Like. Well, that's, you can do, like, you know, <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with that either. Like, you know, it's kind of like a, each to their own. Uh, there's so many toppings you can use, like, like, like you know, whether it be fruit or or citrus, lemon, uh, and the sugar. Uh, I also, also love to use as well, like an apple and berry compote. We use that as well. In, in, I just in love 
blackcurrant jam with a little drizzle of lemon and a little well, spoon of sugar. Fruit. It's fruit, you know, like everybody loves fruit. And don't you just wrap it up and well, that's smash it. it. Yeah, I'd smash it, exactly. So that's, look, there's, there's so many things. They're gorgeous. They're like absolutely the lem- gorgeous. The lemon curd, I think, is really, really good with pancakes. Jarrah well. lemon curd, yeah. yeah I mean, really what good. about the people that go and they buy uh, the, um, the, the pre-prepared plastic bottle that's got the whole mix in it and you just add milk? Have you seen those in the shops? <laughs> I know, yeah, I know. Sacrilege to a chef. I know, well, look, look, it's And they're kind of, fine. It is handy. It's handy, like, you know, look, um, it's... If you just add milk or water, like, no, you can't really go wrong, do you know? We didn't specify how much milk you put into those pancakes. So, it, it, so, it, so the, recipe for, the recipe I have here for this is 300 grams of, of plain flour, half a teaspoon of baking powder, 100 grams of, uh, sorry, uh, 75 grams of caster sugar, and then I pull in about 700 mils of buttermilk. And that's it? And that's it. A job done. Job done. How many pancakes? Regular size now. Regular size, it depends on size of your pan, but uh, you're probably talking about eight pancakes. So if you want to double up that to feed an army, or you're well, going well, for... That's, that's what usually happens, isn't it? Like, you're you going know? for the Guinness Book of Records, <laughs> like... Well, they are, they are quite filling as well. Like, pancakes are, are pretty filling, so... You know, like, I remember growing up as well, like, you know, we'd be, like, you know, three or four pancakes and we're all stuffed. What? Yeah. I want to yeah, get really. started, yeah. Maybe the big, thick ones, you know. <laughs> There's no such thing as a crepe back in my house back in the day. Are you doing pancakes today in the Maldives? We are. We're doing pancakes. We got. Uh, we got. We have. Uh, we probably have about a hundred pancakes made uh, this morning, and they are flying, flying up. People love pancakes on, on Pancake Tuesday. Just whatever it is, people want them. Even for breakfast, people are more. It's all about the tradition, the nostalgia. Now more so than ever. But you, but you don't go for the savoury stuff. Like there was somebody this morning says that we were doing it up online, and they said that they'd put. What was it they said? Uh, a bolognese sauce with grated cheese that's a crepe isn't it that's kind of a galette or something would yeah, you yeah no yeah it's, it's, it's a savoury isn't it like you know like you have you have all these crazy ideas like you know like people like I was reading there yesterday people putting coffee into a bolognese sauce it gives it more flavour <laughs> Like yeah, these these things happen. These things, like, you have aren't to people becoming? Aren't people becoming brilliant now at experimenting? You see the TikTok videos now where you can the the sped up prep of food. Have you seen them online? In sixty seconds, you can very quickly, or sometimes thirty seconds, they can show you how to cook a fantastic meal. Oh, there you go. There it's, you go. And, people, and more and more young people now are experimenting with that. It's brilliant. That's great. It's, well, there's such a great variety out there now, you know, and, and people's taste buds are just really coming on, like you know, so. Uh, it's it's great and, and, and fingers crossed that we, we will get more people into the, more young people into the industry that do love to cook you know because there's uh, a shortage there is a shortage but but it's it's kind of like we, we like we have to like it's people that love cooking and food and and and, and uh, you get it from young age and yeah but they, they see maybe the winter. glamorous side of it it's different though in a full on kitchen isn't it I mean it's a stressful job uh, it's it's changing do you know it's kind of like you know it's, it's all about like you have to put your arm, be able to put your arm around you, like a, a young chef, and like you know, and, and encourage them, as opposed to like you know, the old days, shouting, rolling the pans, rolling the them. pans, you know. Uh, it's it's it has, has it is changing. What was it called? Gordon Ramsay did once. He got two slices of bread and he put one slice on each side of the purse, this young girl's head, and he called her. What did he call her? Um, a Dumbo sandwich or something? I mean, that's yeah, a horrible thing to do. Seen the episode, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, them days are kind of they're, they're kind of they're kind of going now. Gone, but not forgotten. Yeah. Okay, listen. Let's get to the news so we can eat some of those pancakes. Lovely, Joby. Thank you so much for coming in, Chef. I oh, hope thanks, you picked up welcome. some tips. That's Head Chef Noel Mooney from the Maldon Hotel. So you're doing pancakes at lunchtime. Anybody wants to get in? Pancakes for evening. Pancakes for nighttime. Pancakes out the, the yin yang the whole day. All right, cheers, Chef. Take thanks care. Thanks a million. Cheers. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter.
at Neil Red FM. Yes, indeed. It's Pancake Tuesday, the big day before Lent. It's our big day of feasting because in the old days, there was 30-odd days, then a very little to eat because we had to go shriving, which was penance, hence the word Shrove Tuesday. A couple of tips there from the chef is a little pinch of vanilla and a pinch or two of baking powder. Not baking soda. Have a completely different pizza um, pancake, but baking powder. Apparently, that makes all the difference. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national, and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. New year, new number for Neil. 0818-104-106. Okay, I'll jump back into texts and calls again on different topics between now and midday. Somebody was asking a question, do um, pancakes work for gluten-free? Yes, they do. You can get lots of different gluten-free products, including gluten-free flour. Or you could also use um, gluten-free oats. Uh, I know that we're making pancakes tonight with milled oats. You know, they'll just be whizzed up your porridge oats or your gluten-free porridge oats and away you go. If you want to get a bit of protein into it, a little bit of protein powder as well. So there are a lot of different options as to whether you go for just regular flour, you can get the gluten-free flour or gluten-free oats and blend them so it has the same consistency as flour, if you like. Uh, But a couple of tips there from the chef just before 11 o'clock with regards to uh, how to make the perfect pancake. It's all about trial and error, really. I heard yesterday, actually, from a little birdie that the best pancakes that were ever made on Leaside were made by Joe Mack when he was up at the Queen's Oak Castle. And he joins me by phone. Joe, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? How are you, pal? How's things? I'm very good. Very happy now. Going back to work on Sunday. I heard a little birdie told me you're starting again in Canties on Sunday. Well done. Thank you very much. It's nearly two years to the day. Oh, my God. Will you remember all the songs, yeah? No, no, definitely not. <laughs> but I, I'll be good. I'll be making up boards as I go along. You, you kind know? of were making it up as you went along anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what time are you playing Canties on Sunday? Six, six o'clock until eight or quarter past. All welcome. Uh, you're welcome. I'd like to see you in there. And, and you'll be... Um, you know what? I'm, I'm around this weekend. I will come in. I will. All right. And I, I, I won't slag you. No. And I'll say nothing about you. No one mocking or shouting or abusing me from the stage, no? None of that. That's a pity. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back. It's great to have gigs back again, isn't it? Well done. Fantastic. Who's going to be playing with you? Oliver Keane. Genius, impresario, uh, technological wizard, composer, author. (laughs) He's the star, so is he? (laughs) He's the star, big time. (laughs) Tell me about the pancakes back in the day, because I knew all about the donuts, like, for instance. Yeah, well, the pancakes, I was in France at one stage, and I saw guys on the side of the street in Paris making crepes, (laughs) as they call them, crepes. Yeah, yeah. And they had a big, round disc... That was heated by either gas or electric. Yeah. Uh, and you'd pour your mixture on top of that, spread it out. You had a T-shaped thing for spreading it, made out of two pieces of dowel, spread them out, one or half a minute, and turn them over with a spatula, and up, and then put them down, and sugar and lemon, and out they went. And you decided that would go down well in Cork? I did, and it did. What was the toppings on it, though, back in the day when you were making them? Well, you had the basic toppings, which were the castor sugar and a squeeze of lemon. And that was it. Nice and simple, but very, very tasty. Yeah, yeah, very tasty. Then we started using strawberry jam and chocolate. Yeah. And then, 
and then we got savoury pancakes as well that came with a different mix. I, I used to buy the bag of pancake mix from up Kilkenny, somewhere like that. Yeah. And you buy 25 keys, you know, and mix it with water and let it sit for an hour and off you went. Yeah, I just got some texts yesterday, people remembering the melted chocolate pancakes you did. Yeah, yeah, everything. I tried everything. I, I even put a pair of shoes into one. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. I don't know where you dropped as a child. <laughs> I'm sure I was. <laughs> and it went down a bomb. You'd queues out the door for the pancakes. Queues out the door. And the only thing then, when you had one, when you had one pancake disc, <laughs> uh, after three or four, it would start to go cold. <laughs> so you'd, you'd have to leave it break and then heat it up again, go off again, make another three or four. <laughs> Oh my God, fantastic, I love it. And of course, we all know about the mini donuts floating down the hot oil. That was a fantastic thing to watch. Oh, they were fantastic. That, they was, just, that was just a bit of sugar, wasn't it? off they went. Off they went. And then, then again, when I, I was in France, <laughs> and my son Joseph was, was running the place, and, and in a, a window in, in, in Monte Carlo, and I saw donuts covered in pineapple slices cream chocolate and I rang them straight away <laughs> and they were on the menu the next day and were they popular? <laughs> oh very very will you be eating panco- pancakes yourself today Joe? I certainly will my daughter who lives next door to me she'll, she'll send in one or two pancakes now but I'll have only one or two and what will you put on for, for topping? Uh, lemon and sugar lemon and sugar and that's it not a bit no bit of blackberry jam or anything no? You'd never know. <laughs> okay. You're sweet enough as it is anyway, as the fellow says. <laughs> All right. Listen, good luck on Sunday in Canty, 6 to 8. Great to have you back. Thanks a million. Thanks a million. The Dave. one and only Joe Mack, one of the greatest pancake makers and performers of all. Back after the break. It's the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Make sure you got all the different ingredients you need. You don't want to be firing up the pan and find that you forgot something like milk or flour, whatever the case may be. Let me go up to North Cork, actually, to Yum Cafe in Cantorc. Petra, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I hear that you do all things sugar and pancakes and sweet treats and chocolate and all sorts of wonderful things like that. Are you doing pancakes today? Oh, yeah, we do pancakes all the time, but yeah, today it's it's a big pancake day. Yeah, yeah, so and we're busy all morning. Yeah, I can imagine you're already started, and you have a fairly basic recipe. I'm told, do you? Yeah, very basic, but very good, I would say. And just the flour, eggs, and milk. <laughs> huh? Uh, egg, milk. Yeah, the flour. We put some vanilla in it, all and right. a bit of oil, and plenty of love. <laughs> <laughs> and what about what about toppings? What kind of to- sweet toppings are you putting on them? Well, the most popular it's obviously Nutella and strawberries, but we have uh, plenty other ones. I would say with the Kinder, or with the Oreos and Milky Bar chocolates, or we have with the Biscoff and strawberries. Then Banoffee. Uh, oh, Banoffee would be nice. How does that work? Like, is that just like a toffee? There is Nutella, there is caramel sauce, there is uh, banana, sliced banana on the top, and there is like a, a, a caramel crunchies on the top as well. And oh, you get so it's cream and ice cream if you want. So yeah. it's got the smooth and the crunchy going on at the same time? Yeah. <laughs> I also love the or idea. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. The mint arrow sounds a delight. It is with a bit of strawberry as well, yeah. It's and, you, it's yeah. Like what it. about a little bit of ice cream in there, no? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, if you want cream or ice cream, yeah. But the most popular one, there. I mean, what what would be the number one in the queue? Uh, Nutella and strawberry, definitely, yeah. <laughs> and tell me... And bacon and maple. <laughs> oh, right. So that would be the sweet That's and the savoury. Yeah, but yeah. And are you, have you, I mean, I heard that you, you um, were very, very busy since you came out of lockdown with queues of pay people waiting up to 45 minutes. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, lockdown was very busy for us. And yeah, I'm delighted that people are still coming. Yeah. And yeah, it's been very good. Yeah. Okay. It, so, it looks like we do something right. <laughs> no, that's what I hear. You you live up to your name, Yom Cafe, the place to go for anything to do with... Uh, I'm told you're doing a lot over Easter as well. Is that right? Yeah. Like even for today, I would say uh, with the Pancake Tuesday uh, to bring the bit of... Easter team into it. You can have your half Easter egg on the top of your pancake, and then you can put all your toppings into it, and the cream and ice cream as well. So I'd say you must have an a, idea. Yeah, you must have a great yeah. Instagram page, great photographs of the different toppings and pancakes and treats. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we love our Instagram. <laughs> People should check out Yum Cafe. So you have got a busy day ahead today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's been busy already. Yeah, with all the pancakes. So yeah. Are you doing <laughs> sit down and takeaway? Yeah. Uh, we have two tables at the moment for sit down, but uh, it's still takeaway, mostly takeaway. Yeah. Mostly grab and go. And are people just buying the one pancake, or are they buying more? Uh, I, I no, I wouldn't say they will stay just with one. Case. No, because one would never be enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm afraid not. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd have I'd have the couple of the mint arrow ones myself. Not a fan of chocolate orange, but mint arrow, little bit of ice cream. I also fancy that bacon and maple syrup one. That sounds delicious. It's really nice because we use like smoked pancetta, so it's not like a proper bacon, but uh, yeah, it's it's nice. Wouldn't that work very well with a cup of tea? <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll let you get back to it, Petra. Thanks for taking the call and thanks for the tips. Appreciate it. Thank you, too. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Take bye-bye. care, take care. Let me just stay with this for a little while longer because everybody has their own interpretation as to how a pancake should be cooked or, more importantly, what you go on top of it. Heather, good morning. Hello, Neil. How are you? You're one of those boars that just goes for Nutella, is it? That's it, that's it. Well, I, I'd have anything, really. I'd eat any sort of panic, but um, Nutella and strawberries and grapes would be off the top of the list with a little ice cream. Nutella, strawberries, strawberries and grapes. grapes and yeah. ice cream. Do you roll that up? I do, yeah, yeah. No, it depends. Like sometimes, depends how they go in the frying pan. I might make small ones and just have them flat, or else I might make big ones and roll them all up. But when you um, roll it with ice cream inside in it, surely you'd need a knife and fork to eat that and a spoon. Ah, uh, you would, yeah. You well, you could put the ice cream in the side, like. It's a bit of a mess, though. Is it kind of messy? No? It's messy, like, but <laughs> anything goes in pancake Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Nutella, strawberries, grapes, and ice cream. A bit of ice cream, yeah. Or and sometimes it, we just have lemon and sugar, just the normal, traditional one. Actually, you know what I was just thinking? Why wouldn't somebody have, say, strawberries, grapes, ice cream, and then crush a flake over it? That'd be good, yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think of that, actually. And have you all the bits and pieces in for today, you have? All sorted. I made the battle last night and I'm all prepared. All right, well, enjoy. Have a good one. Take care. Luke. How you doing? Here's the, this is the rashers, man, is it? You've got to have a rashers. Sure, all right. It surely is rashers, uh, whipped cream, maple syrup. Does it work with whipped cream, though? 
Uh, oh, love whipped cream with uh, pancakes, maple syrup, and rashers. <laughs> been, I've been, I've been to restaurants around Kerry and Limerick, and that's one of the main servers with <coughs> with whipped cream uh, with uh, pancakes. What kind of are, are you saying? Crispy rasher now, obviously. Uh, not crispy. Don't like crispy rashers at all. Luke, that <laughs> sounds disgusting. It is. It is so lovely. Do you leave the fat on the rashers? I do, yeah. Oh, Luke, go away. Put me off it. <laughs> do you eat the rind? Yeah. God. Enough said. Enough said. Enjoy your pancakes today, all right? All right, thanks so much. Take care. I mean, if the guy said crispy bacon now, I'd say something about it, but not that. Anyway, how do you like yours? Text 0868104106. If you want to get in touch with us for any other business, remember, if you have a story to share, you can always do so by emailing neil at redfm.ie. Calling Red FM Studio? Call the new number, 0818104106. A lot of texts and people picking up my conversation on Friday with Tess, who was in a lot of pain and spent a lot of time in the A&E. Perhaps you heard their conversation, um, one or two on that. All the people who go and the conversation you have all discuss pain and all they get for their pain is painkillers they don't work and probably will do damage in the long run and yet a natural painkiller like cbd oil with thc is banned in ireland it helps millions of people all over the world with various benefits for different illnesses and our government was pushing a vaccine for the past few years saying it's to protect people yet they won't allow people who are ill and in severe pain get the help they need with CBD oil with THC. How can the Irish people allow this? Shame on our government and more shame on the Irish people for allowing people to suffer in pain, says Mark. With regards to your elderly lady Tess in the emergency department, I am a nurse and no matter how busy you are, you can always help a patient to eat their lunch or to drink their tea. It's the culture within many of these hospitals where it's become a learned behaviour that it's not okay to care. I have witnessed, I have witnessed nurses and HSCAs, uh, that's healthcare assistants, shouting at elderly people who are completely disorientated and scared. But other workers stand by and allow it to happen because it's almost always the more experienced nurses that do this and it paves the way for poor nursing care. So that is a text on behalf of a nurse working in emergency departments. It's time for the health minister to do something about this kind of behaviour in our hospitals. That poor woman, there is no accountability anymore. It's absolutely a shame on the management and staff of the hospital, says Margaret. They cannot blame COVID for this kind of a problem. It's going on for years in the A&E and it's just getting more coverage these days. People need to stand together. It's terrible to see elderly people suffering, sitting in hard chairs all night. And the government should be put in there for a night themselves, see how bad it is. All this is covered up when they come on a politician's visit. We were the same. My mother of 84 had an awful time in that hospital. My daughter was on to you only three or four weeks back. It's a disgrace the way our elderly are treated. Does this pathetic government not look at other countries like Germany where the health service works, works efficiently? It's a disgrace letting any person of that age, but especially elderly people, sit in a chair for over 32 hours. Ellen also calls it disgraceful treatment. Uh, and who makes these rules denying an elderly person the right to be accompanied by a family member? Only the staff themselves. 
Well, it's not actually the staff themselves. And clearly we can see from the incident you described that they clearly plank an elderly person in a corner and ignore them. Shame on them and the profession that they represent. Each and every nurse and medical staff should show some empathy as it could be their elderly relative next time. And one final one for now. Uh, This happened to my 74-year-old mother three weeks ago. She was 36 hours sitting in a plastic chair. I rang the A&D and begged them to try and even get her a trolley. They got her a recliner, which she sat in for 14 more hours. They then transferred her to a trolley in the Lee Suite in an office with no toilet facilities. She was on that trolley for a further two days. So 36 hours in a plastic chair, 14 hours in a recliner and two days on a trolley. She was transferred to the ward at 3.30 in the morning and they discharged her 12 and a half hours later and told her they were referring her to a consultant. She was under two years previously. It took them five days in total to make that one appointment decision. After I made an official complaint, the head nurse rang me and allowed me to see my mum for 15 minutes. My mum is visually impaired, has strong bowel problems. Uh, she was using a stool to get into the trolley and they gave her 70% alcohol wipes for her bum. When I asked to visit her, ma'am asked me to bring water and toilet roll. She had asked twice for toilet roll. She had asked four times for water. She ran out of her blood pressure tablets on Wednesday night and her diabetic medication. Ma'am asked the nurse, would she get dad to bring them up? The nurse said no, she would get them. Dad had to bring up her medication 26 hours later. They didn't get her medication. Uh, There is no excuse for that kind of treatment to anybody at all that uses our health system, says Debbie. That is clearly shocking. And uh, um, I'm I'm assuming that none of any of that was intentional and it was just that they were run off their feet, that, that they care, not that they don't care, because who could not care? Because it could be anybody's mother. It could be anybody's father or elderly relative. Maeve says, I'm a nurse who's worked in Cork hospitals, including emergency departments, and a patient who was brought in by ambulance is triaged exactly the same as a GP referral or a self-referral. Generally speaking, patients requiring ambulance are in a much worse state than those able to transport themselves and is therefore triaged at a higher priority because of their presenting medical condition and their immediate health status. However, if patients are brought in by ambulance and triage lower on the priority list according to the severity of illness or injury, they will still be waiting the same length as if they had made their own way to the hospital. The advice you are offering will only put our already very under-resourced, understaffed and stretched to the limit. Maeve is making a point that I said on the air last week, what if you had called an ambulance? Uh, They're already stretched to the limit. The ambulance service is even under more pressure and there's a real possibility it will prevent an ambulance from getting a life or death scenario in time to save a patient who desperately needs the paramedic's care and urgent transport to hospital. Please only use an ambulance when the situation absolutely requires it. It is not a taxi service. Now, that's only a selection of texts. I literally have page after page after page, and all of them are coming from my conversation with Teresa, known to her friends as Tess. She's 86 and a half in the A&E, uh, and she chatted with me last Friday. I wonder if Paddy O'Brien heard that conversation, actually. Paddy, good morning. I heard that conversation in last, um, last Friday morning. Yeah, yeah. And what did you make I, of it? I'm gonna, I just, I'm just only would say it. I would congratulate her, that lovely lady, Tess, for speaking out. And then I would say, it's absolutely disgraceful. It's an appalling situation from what that lady experienced. 
Why do you say that it's going on a lot? Is it? It is going on a lot. And the situation is this the reason that Neil Prendeville uh, doesn't hear about it. People are afraid to speak out. I'm hearing, I'm hearing stories about, you know, listen to a lady inside the hospital. She would ask for something, not get it. Like, what's in my mind since I have had that conversation, heard that conversation last Friday, was Trey's explaining when she got a cup of tea in a sandwich and this, this cup of tea was on the floor, the poor lady. I mean, uh, the world of her compassion has disappeared completely. But, like, it's, it's totally unacceptable that an elderly person uh, would ask her daughter to bring in toilet roll or to bring in bottles of water. I mean... It's just... Awful, it's unjust. I, I, I listened to you and I was saying to myself, this is a very good dream. It can't, I mean, if you read it in the book, you wouldn't believe it. But it's happening in our city here. That the, 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 health, the health authorities are spending millions every year. But look at the care, but the people are not getting the proper care. They are blaming the COVID for everything, everything, everything. And I hear people saying, oh, they're very busy. No matter how busy you are, you can't be disrespectful to elderly people. You can't show any form of neglect towards elderly people. You have to show kindness, kindness, kindness. But the staff and must know that. They must be gone beyond breaking point. It's not as if any of them are cruel. They're just overworked, understaffed, and maybe the conditions and the design of the place is all wrong. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> what I would say to that exactly was that if these people are overworked and if they're treating women or not women patients the way they treated trades story she told last night, they should take a break. They're only creating problems to the patient, creating problems. Like, where was the law, where was the compassion, where was the consideration for that lady? Where a person, she was looking after us, did she want a cup of tea? She want this, what she want, what's the other thing? And again, I congratulate her for speaking out. There are people listening now to your show this morning and probably saying, I had a similar experience because I've heard of them. This, these, this case is not a nice little case. Some it's years back, some years back, we took a very close look at geriatric cases um, and geriatric wards within the CUH, and unfortunately, that also left an awful lot to be deni- to, to, you know, an awful lot to be, um, uh, you know, corrected. But is it the elderly suffer the most? It is the elderly, just because they're elderly people, they can always wait. I was in a hospital in a hospital recently visiting patients, and just incredible. The patient told me that he had asked for. Uh, a glass of water and they said to go to an hour but he had to ask two helpers or two nurses for, for this Look, it, isn't, it isn't just one case at the moment it's happening every day every day and I said to myself well, what are they going to do to control it to bring it back to, to, bring it back to the hospital that was there many and, many years ago and is it because the elderly are quieter and don't complain or don't that, like to make a fuss that, that's the main thing then. That's, the very, that's the main thing that the elderly people, are, they're not getting, the, the, no, I want all of them, some of the elderly are not getting the care they're entitled to, and they're afraid to speak out. Okay. And that's happened for years and years. They're afraid to speak out because if they go home and there's recurrence of their ailment, the doctor won't put the hospital, they feel that they're going to get under to the hospital and that the nurses might, you know, take some form of action and ignore them again. What I'm saying, and I'm saying the public day, it was a disgraceful situation to treat that lady that way. 
It's an appalling situation to treat anyone that's in that Can I ask you, are you hearing anything about home helps or home help care workers being overrun now? They have so many people to visit that the visits are very short and they can't give enough time that they would like to give to somebody who they call to on a regular basis. Right. As a a direct result of being overrun, it's the elderly person suffering. Because I had a case a few months ago and a lady has only uh, 20, uh, 40 minutes, 40 minutes a week. And when, a, when um, a home health would call to a house, and that at the time, she couldn't possibly do what's been on that house. Would that be and two then, visits of 20 minutes each, Paddy, or one oh, visit? Oh, no, no, not one, one, 40. And then she was going to be lucky one day because there's some people down to 30 minutes. Now, there are home health, I have to say this, home health are doing a wonderful job only for them. Many more people would be in long-term care in nursing homes. And that's the only reason why they've kept at home. But I think that the, north, the, 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 the home helps. I think that, I think, um, what must happen, more work should be done in the house. I think that's girls tidying up with an old home. They just visit them, I know, and prepare, prepare food for them as well. Right. But um, what's happening always... Because I did hear that some uh, of the visits can be as short as 20 minutes. That's right. That's right, and that's for definite. But recently... Um, Rita Graham at the Echo did an article recently and she said that the HA has announced that we're going down to employing the next month or two 240 more home helps. Now, that's going to be great for the elderly people because it's an open state of affairs. When you when a, if a person comes in and they require a home help, they go on a waiting list. A waiting list for a home so help. So somebody now is looking for home help in their own home, in their own community. Yeah. How long would they be wait. waiting? You could be waiting a couple of months. You could be waiting, waiting a couple of months, and the thing you were definitely weeks and weeks and weeks for. I remember the time, a good few years ago, if a person contacted me and said, "My man, my dad, something for the home help," there was no support. I know a number to ring. Yeah. And you could have a home help that, that afternoon. Really? There are no. And what's happening is this: that the, 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 the HSC um, they realise the situation, how bad it is, and that's why. That is why have signed off on 240 more home helps. They would not be bringing on 240 more home helps if there was a necessity, if there was a need for them. The home health, all the home health work must be looked at. I, I, go, to, I go to some people and they're complaining that um, I'm saying home helps are great, but um, the majority are great, but in the minority, and sometimes they don't tidy up after them, they come. They just want to in, out, in, out, and that's well, what do the ones, what do they want to come in and do what? Just chat for a while and go away, is it? Well, I thought they, they would love it. They'd love a chat, but some they would come in and I often wonder exactly what are the exact jobs for a whole medicine was supposed to have when they went to the house. And, and I, I, I think I, I actually don't know, to be quite honest. With you. I don't know whether it's tidying or cleaning or washing the, the well, elderly I, person I, or I, I cooking. Think, I don't know. I think, I think they're tidying, yes. I don't think there's, there's no cooking involved because what happens in that situation, when the person would get a home help, if there, were, if, if there was a cooking problem at home, they would have arranged uh, meals and meals. So not cooking yes. then, yeah, okay, yes, fair yes, enough. Yes. But I mean, I think that uh, tidying, turning up the place, I do it like the fire. Again, now, I've got a home help listening to this and saying that they're doing great. You are doing great work. Well, I'm speaking to a very, very small minority who are neglecting it. And I think that. Um, the you see, they may have a lot of clients or a lot of people to visit, and they're on the clock. That's it. Well, that's it. 
Just but would we ever That's reach true. a society where somebody would get a visit every day, even if it was for 20 minutes, half an hour, every day? Well, well I think they should, but I think, quite honestly, I'm saying this, and it's, I've been saying it for years and years, that look at the whole area of the home health, and an area that has to be improved in is this, they must have a home health from overnight. An elderly person living on their own who's housebound, trying to administer their own, their own medication. This is and where there's no family that can help, are you saying? No family at all. And I think you know, they have it in the UK. We should do that. I mean, an elderly person with 60s, 70s or 80s or 90s, a home helper closed the door. Uh, we said 10 o'clock in the morning and they won't see another person for a couple of days. That's right. And I yeah. think over him. Now, I, I you might see a home help on a Tuesday morning and see no one till the home help comes back again maybe on a Thursday or something. That's right. Yeah. But I would, ha- I, would ha- I would have to say this and I don't want to be misinterpreted when I make this point. What I'm looking for would be a home health care service, home helps, overnight to people who needed I mean, if the person was very, very, very ill at the moment, they couldn't get to hospital, there was a need, a need there that a person should have the home health at night. Yeah. I am not saying that we send the home health out tonight to every house. No. That the, the, old, the old person themselves wouldn't want that. But, but if the circumstances that, needed it, yes. Exactly. I mean, I speak and they tell me, this is what they tell me. I, I get nervous. I think I'm going to get sick. Who's going to phone an ambulance? And they're, they're there, petrified, petrified, whereas if there was a person, man or woman, home health there that would help them and say, okay, and make a cup of tea or something. But the person you know, can sleep there as well, by the way. That, that's what they do in the UK. Uh, home health at night would sleep. And another thing, a small thing, sleep would be okay. What happens in the UK is this, if an elderly person goes to hospital, um, the uh, elderly person in, in, in any part of England will not be discharged if they find out she's living on her own, right. unless a person, unless, until rather, a social worker would go to that older person's house and check out what is, what is the situation. Just a person after having a stroke, at the time of death, they check out the home situation first, and then they come back and tell the authorities. And does that, that always happen in the UK system, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot it's better. A, yeah. It's a lot better. And, and, and then people come home, you see people come home if they come find to a wheelchair, simply something like this. They may have a stroke, they come home. They, they can't reach for the switch. It's all on the light. They could completely incapacitated. So you're saying there are people all, listening to me right now who are completely incapacitated in their own home? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, there are. Oh, there are, yeah. That, 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 that is for definite. I mean, I know that, <clears throat> that means fair hair to everyone that, a lot of elderly people, they want to remain at home. Yes. They want to remain at home. They do. They do. Oh, I know that from experience. They do. Yeah. Yeah. It's the last place they want to be, yes, at home. That's where they want to go. That's where they want to pass away. That that, that is it. But I mean, again, and I'm repeating myself here, only for the home helps, many more people would be in um, nursing homes. Uh, But what I would have to say is the nursing home situation. Uh, A few weeks ago, I had occasion to ring practically every nursing home in town in Cork City mm. and part of the county. And the person that was trying to get into a nursing home, they had all the correspondence, all the documentation for the fair deal. Everything was sorted out. Everything was sorted out. And they had a waiting list, waiting. They were waiting list now to get into nursing home. What kind of a waiting list? Oh, you, <laughs> you'd be a couple of years waiting. 
it could be a couple of years waiting to get into a long-term care now. And then, now... People even if you're not, even if it's not... Because you're contributing, even with fair deal, you're paying yourself, like, oh, 90% yeah, of you your are, pension. Yeah, they're, they're still awaiting this, but the regrettable thing about the whole nursing care has changed drastically. I mean, years ago, years ago, many years ago, St. Fimbos was a long-term care. St. Fimbos, who had the little sisters of the poor in Montanoshi looking after 102, 102. You had a good charity convent. But what, happened, what has happened now is this. You have private nursing homes, most roomed, uh, most roomed all, all over the place. And they're full, you're and, saying? Yeah, they are full, yeah. They're full. And... Um, I said it's in the program yourself a long time ago. Things are so bad. People, the family members waiting for any news from nursing homes when they see a death on the echo. If they saw a death on the echo... Um, they're on looking for the place. They're looking for that ward. Yeah. There's a long wait in this, whether you whether you to the fair deal or what. There's a long wait in this listen out. Say yes again, it's always the old and the vulnerable and the elderly. Yeah. I mean it's always. I mean it's not just them exclusively, but it, they're the they're the can, horror stories we hear. Can I drift away from that for a second because they're endorsing what you're saying my my comments. The elderly the ones who are suffering. The elderly ones are the ones on long term in a long wait in this. There are people waiting five years to have a very important service carried out, and that's um, cataract. Mm. In your need of a cataract surgery, people get nervous. Some of them avoid looking at television, mm. and they give up reading and for five years. There are people waiting years for a hip operation and a knee. Those three, cataract, hip, and knee. Mm. The long waiting is for elderly people. But Why? Because we have no voice in government. The elderly are not represented mm. in any government. I, I just, and I'll be very brief here. Mm. The children are represented by the young minister. Mm. The, the guards and ministers of justice, the farmers, every section of the community. Who represents the elderly? Nobody. There is um, what I call um, a junior minister. But that junior minister has other areas as well. Yeah, I know. 45 years ago. I spoke at a function at the Metropolitan Hotel in Cork, and I said, we must have more voice. The elderly must have a voice. They must be listened to. They must be listened to at government level. Government level. I said, we want an administrative situation for, for the elderly. Yeah. And, and that's, that's one of the reasons. I mean, when, they're, when the government make decisions around the table, when they have their weekly meeting every Tuesday morning at half past seven, there's no one representing the government. Yeah, I know. But Did I read that there's a fiver going to be charged now? To, you have to pay directly towards the home help fiver. Um, I heard that. Some, was, yeah. I, 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 have, I have heard that as well. But what I would say, when you speak about prices, when I heard this morning that the, the stamp is going up to 125. 125 for a stamp. Mm. That I remember a couple of years ago, it was only. 20 pence and the people the people it's the elderly people again it's going to affect because business people and older people and younger people rather, they use sending emails there are a lot of people haven't licked but a stamp I, in years yeah it would be, yeah, it would yeah, be yeah. And I, know, I know a lovely I know a lovely elderly people they write love, they love getting letters yeah. and I started off something recently about writing to elderly people 
And I spoke to this lady above in the, in the nursery home um, up uh, Garrow County, whatever it was, and I was speaking to her, and I said, I bought a letter. And she said, Paddy, I'll tell you something, she said. To get a letter, the joy I experience, no doctor to to be medication. It would lift your heart. I know, I know, I know. Paddy, listen, I'm going to get another couple of calls this side of uh, midday, but as always, thank you for your contribution. I want to thank yourself and allow me to come on every so often. But what I'm doing, I speak with the voice of the Yeah, you'll always have a voice here, Paddy. You've known that for years. Not a bother. Look after yourself. Cheers for now. Take care. Text 0868104106. Just keep an eye on the clock there because I also have texts that I want to come back to, but I don't want this opportunity of the past without having a chat with Joan. Good morning. Good morning. Um, now, you want to tell me this, uh, the, the story of your, your sister who sadly passed. That's right. Yeah, and you yeah. wanted to bring it in under the umbrella of, um, you say, treatment of the elderly. Well, I suppose she wouldn't be that old. That's well, what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, she yeah. was in her, in her 70s. Okay. Now, it will be three years for March. And we still talk about it. We are just, <clears throat> I mean, it's heartbreaking. Of course no, it is. Um, She's your sister. Yeah. She died. She passed away. And, yeah. uh, and, yeah. and it's still, it's still. Yeah. It is very raw. raw. Yeah. It yeah. is raw. And it is bitter, bitter as well. I suppose we are bitter. Well, I would say I'm bitter, but, you know, my sisters, I think, are bitter as well. Why? But anyway, Tell me why. Why are you so upset? In spite of the fact that you lost your sister, I understand that. Yeah, she was in Mary Mount. Okay. Now, and when she went in there in the start, things were fine because she was able to look after herself. You know, she was able to walk and she was able to do lots of things. But anyway, we'd say coming to Christmas, well, before Christmas, really, she was down. You know, she couldn't walk, so she would have to be brought to the toilet on a sling. She couldn't go on the commode. So then they sent her home at Christmas time. And the way she went home was her son had to come in and collect her and put her into the back of his car and she had to lie down across the back of his car because she had tumours in her backside. She couldn't sit down. Mm. So that's why. So anyway, mm. she stayed at home. Was she in Mar- Marymount for respite or was it palliative? No, she was, was she... in palliative care. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was advanced so cancer, okay. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah. yeah, stage four. Okay. So then she went home and now her family were, oh my God, they were just super to her. She had a son who used to put his arms around her and bring her to the commode. Now, going back to the commode, only for my neighbour giving me a commode that she had in her house. My sister wouldn't have a commode. She begged for home help. She begged for everything. So anyway. She wasn't, she didn't go home to her own home on her own, did she? Oh she yes, was with... she did. She went home to her home, to her home, and it was only her son that was there. Okay, why but did she choose that? Did she want to be home for Christmas? Were, no, no, they put her out they sent her home and she had no choice on it. She didn't want to go home. She was crying. She didn't want to go home. She didn't want to be a hindrance to her family. But oh my God, her family looked after her. They took shifts for nine weeks, day and night, and slept on the floor in her room 
on a mattress. It has and, to put, and it's lovely, means, and it's so lovely to hear, but one, one would expect family to do that. That's all about love and respect, isn't it? You would do it with a heart and a half, isn't it? Oh my God, they were absolutely, Neil, I take my hat off to each and every one of them. Now, I went there on a couple of occasions myself. Now, I didn't stay overnight, but I went to visit and yeah. to tidy up and to help the girls, yeah. you know, whatever. And to sit with my sister and chat with her. And did she go but back to Marymount or did she stay she at home? She had to go back to Marymount because she was just in pain night and day. Because she was getting kidney infections after kidney infections. And, oh, she had a bag as well to help her to go to the toilet. Yeah. But anyway, when she went back to Marymount, as I say, she couldn't walk to the toilet. So they had a sling, which they would take her in. So I was there this day. Now, she said to me, I need to go to the toilet. I rang the bell. Now, nobody came. I went out on the corridor, looked up, looked down. Nobody came. Rang the bell again. Nobody came. Now, eventually, she filed the bed. And they came in and they put her in a sling and lung her into the bathroom, washed her with cold water and back into the bed again. Now, they should probably change the bed. I don't know. We were out on the corridor. They definitely would have changed the sheets. Definitely. Well, uh, probably, yeah. 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 But we didn't see all that happening because we were out in the corridor. We were told to leave the room, which was understandable. I wouldn't fancy the idea of being washed with cold water, though. I mean, it's yeah. easy to have warm water, but I don't know yeah. why they did but that. it was cold water. This is what she told us when we went back into the room to her. And when we went back, they had the windows. Well, I wouldn't call it windows. I would call it a patio door because there was a balcony off her room. I know so the rooms, had, yeah. I've been in those yeah. rooms. Yeah, they had that door open wide. And she was frozen with the cold in the bed. And she started crying. I said to her, what's wrong? She said, will you take me home? What could I do? What could we do? I mean, she was dying. We couldn't bring her home. What did you say to her? I can't remember, to be honest, I can't. But it's something that will stay with me and my sisters, my brother, used to go every day on the number eight bus out to see her. Every day, without a shadow of a doubt, he went there every day. And he was a carer for his wife. Yeah. But he just left his wife and he went to see his sister every yes. day. Yes, Was she eating solid food or where was she at with that? Well, the only time she would actually eat, well... They didn't, they came in and they put the food up on the table, you know, this wheels underneath it and pushed it up in front of her. She wasn't able to do it. So, therefore, her family made it, um, we'd say one daughter would come in the morning early to make sure she had a bit of breakfast. The other daughter would come in at lunchtime to make sure she'd eat a bit of lunch. I used to go there most afternoons and I'd bring her a yogurt or, you know, something like that. Well, would the know? food just stay on the tray yes. uneaten if a family yes, member didn't come there in? Was some, yeah, and also her medication would be just put in a little plastic cup or something and left on the table. Now, she wasn't able to drink because she'd be fed with a beaker 
or a straw in a, a mug. So would nobody help her to take the tablets? No. Are you, are you sure of that now? Well, as I say, she was, just her daughters did it. Right. And would the food remain uneaten if, unless a family member came yeah. in? There was no healthcare assistant would help with that? No. They were all too busy. Would she ever go to the dining area where you can go to eat? I, 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 she wasn't able to walk near. Yeah. She was constantly in bed. Okay. And then if the food was uneaten, they would just take the tray away then? Take the tray be? away, yeah. Not ask any questions as to why no. you didn't eat your lunch or your dinner? No. no. Not that we know of anyway. You know. And was she there long before she passed away? Did she no. pass away there? Well, she went in in, um, I would think now it would be February and she died um, March. Okay. Were you all there? Yes, we were. Okay. We were there. She died on a Saturday. We were there all day Friday. And I came home to change my clothes. I couldn't sleep. And I went back in again in the morning at five o'clock and she passed away. I think it was about three minutes past nine on Saturday. Peacefully. Peacefully, but not on Friday. She wasn't peaceful on Friday. No? No. Was she in pain, is it, or was she... <sighs> Neil, I couldn't describe. I would not over over there. I wouldn't describe it. It was just horrendous. It was horrendous. The way she was on Friday. Now, we don't know if it was pain. Was it the passing? We don't know what it was. She was troubled, do you think? She was very troubled. Very, very troubled on the Friday. We were holding her hands. We were praying all day. This went on all day Friday into Friday night. Mm. We came home about, it would be about 12, two hours stayed. I rang them several times during the night and um, they were saying she's peaceful. So I went in in the morning, I would say about five or six o'clock, I brought the girls in some yogurts and food. Yeah. And, um, you know. You think it could have been more respectful to her as an elderly cancer patient? Well, it was, it was the fact that they washed her with this cold water. Yeah, there, there are other aspects of that. You know, the whole whole idea of food being left sit there or medicine. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that Mary Mount will, will probably, uh, you know, um, be upset to hear that because they won't believe that to be correct. They'll say that's not our policy. They will say we have nurses there and they're registered nurses who administer um, tablets and painkillers or whatever the case may be. Mm. I know, but at times this didn't happen, Neil. Your experience was different to that. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And the bell would—you would, would he, she would ring the bell, or ring, a family yeah, member, but, yeah, and, and yeah, no one I would come. So. No. Would it no be because they don't have enough enough staff? Is it? Well, it, that's probably it. That's probably it. Look at the healthcare. Is, oh, I think it's shocking altogether. Well, you know, families pay an awful lot of money for the care of their elderly mothers or fathers. Well, she was only on the medical card maybe that's why we don't know yeah, but the families would have paid through taxation all of their life or well I suppose so she yeah. probably and you know somebody with a pension would give 90% of their pension towards it and be left with the balance and they also under fair trade have to give a, poor, uh, a fairly hefty percentage of their bank account savings and sometimes they sell their houses and use that money you know so they, they should be yeah. getting top class treatment for the amount of money 
that they're spending? I don't know. She paid any money. I don't know. Shouldn't make it any different, though. Yeah, but I know that she worked all her life and worked hard. You know? Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Very sorry to hear that, Joan. Very sorry to hear that. Okay, Neil. Thank you for taking the call. Thanks for, and thank you for taking my call, but I had to highlight it sometime. Oh, well, you know, we're here to listen and people want to hear stories shared, um, you know, because uh, only by sharing stories can we get things improved and make things better. Yes. So thank you. Of course. Okay. okay. Thank you too. Bye-bye. All right. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Uh, a lot of stuff, um, actually, that I didn't get to this morning, including quite an amount on, on Ukraine. But I will come back to topics regarding our health service. For sure I will throughout the course in the morning. But i just leave you with this one. Um, it is an analogy of the relationship between the Ukraine and Russia. For anyone that's confused about what's happening in Russia and the Ukraine, here it is in layman's terms. So this was sent in to me, okay? And I read it for what it's worth. Ukraine used to be in an abusive relationship with Russia, feeding him, letting him use her car, paying for the coffees, etc., giving him whatever he asked for, until she built up the confidence to call it quits back in 1991. Since then, Ukraine has been working on herself, becoming a strong, independent woman with help from friends like France, America, Poland and others. They give her support, loan her money and they're helping her find her way. Ukraine has been enjoying being single for 30 years and looking forward to continuing to grow and create new friendships. Now Russia, being the ex-toxic lover that he is, wants her back and doesn't want her meeting new people or creating any new relationships as this impacts the level of power and control that he can exert over her. A couple of weeks ago, Russia started sitting out the front of Ukraine's house and when her friends asked him, what was he doing there? He said, ah, nothing, just getting a little bit of exercise in, that's all. After her friends told her that Russia was potentially getting ready to do something bad to her, he said, they're lying to you. They just want you to be scared of me. And that's not what it is. Well, the other day, Russia broke into Ukraine's house, beat her up and took advantage of her while live streaming and double dog dared any of her friends to do something about it. She is still waiting for help. I didn't write this, but wow, what a great analogy. I hope you get an opportunity to share it. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM.